0: Hey, Jeff. Hey, Eric. How are you? I'm pretty good. How are you? Doing
1: well, thank you. How was jury duty?
0: I'm glad you asked. So I was called down to jury duty. I went down to the New York Supreme Court down on 60 Center Street. Right. I walk in there, and I expect that it's going to be like every other time I get called to jury duty, which is you sit there for two days. You get paid $40 a day. You yeah. go to lunch. Yeah. I get I get $40 lunches. There that's, you go. that's what goes on. As soon as they filled out the paperwork, they were like, it's 10 o'clock. We need you and 140 others to go to the criminal building. The, the, the 140 that were with you. This wasn't like, go round up 140 people and march down to criminal court. Me and 140 people. It was. It looked like a, a Dipset concert. Yeah, exactly. It was exactly. me and all my friends. You were Cam. Yeah. Right. And we all went down to 100 Center Street. Okay. Go up to the 13th floor. And we're put in this room where the judge says, thank you for coming. Here's your $40. You can go to lunch. He says... There is a trial that is going to be going on for 15 weeks. And you said? I said, well, I've got South by Southwest <laughs> coming up. I have a trip to LA coming up. Oh, man. I got out of a, uh, a two-week trial as well, and so now so I am here. Get,
1: did you get called into anything to sit down and be able to say, go to itsthereal.com, get your tickets for the Roots Picnic, where we're going to be performing on June 2nd?
0: No, I... I, I Wish I was able to. I, I, I did ended you talk up, to anybody, uh, yes. Um, mostly because I ended up in the wrong courtroom like two or three times. Okay, and so your, your mistake, I guess, there's nobody in charge, so you just sort of walk into courtrooms because there's a bunch, like, there's like 60 people with you walking into these courtrooms. Are you
1: saying the court system is flawed, Jeff?
0: That's the biggest problem with the court system is that I don't know where to sit, right. Well, here's the biggest question, though, that yeah. we should find out.
1: Were you dressed appropriately?
0: I was dressed appropriately. I was- You I gave take... so much thought to this yeah. for,
1: like, the week before your jury duty.
0: I almost showed up in a suit. <laughs> <laughs> that
1: reminds me of the time when we just moved down to the city and we were invited to an industry birthday party. Yeah, on the west side. Like, all the way on the west side. So, whatever train you take that you think is furthest west, this is, like, four long avenues toward the river and it was cold and it was raining and the dress code it said was like dressed dressed to impress yeah Yeah. and we the noobs that we were dressed to impress in suits and we were like well either we're gonna look like idiots or
0: we will be appropriately attired and guess what we looked like idiots like they (laughs) they wouldn't even let us they wouldn't even let us in we kept telling them we're on the list and they were like no you're not we dressed
1: up for court back then so anyway so you you almost dress up in a suit for this yeah and
0: I went down, the first person I saw had pajama pants and I was like, great. So the next day you showed up? I showed up and... In a hoodie or... <laughs> no, that was the one thing you can't wear. It, they said that? Somebody was like, if you have a hoodie, you have to take it off. So anyway... There you are rules in this court, Eric. You, you you gave so much thought to this and uh, and it wasn't even... You didn't even get picked didn't even get picked, didn't really talk to anybody. The one person I did talk to was not able to get out of it. And in the meantime, we put
1: out two episodes last week of this very podcast.
0: So you can go away
1: every week if we're going to if we're going to be on that pace, right? Yeah, listen, I don't need to do this. I can get $40 a day doing that <laughs> shit. If people have not listened yet, we put out two episodes last week. One Was the regular format with our friend Jamal Jamo, who is a digital music marketing executive. Genius. And he's very funny and has an amazing journey that he talks about. He talks about things that we've never even talked about in 170 other episodes of
0: this podcast. So that's a great listen. And then... Yeah, we watched Black Panther with... It was two Jews and two black dudes review the movies. We went to see Black Panther. By the way, people who have an issue with our name not rhyming and it not being... Uh, movie reviews with two blacks and two Jews. <laughs> like, shut up. Uh, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, funny. Named,
1: it's named what it's named. We sat here and Styles just said it off the top of his head. Why would we change that? But also, the whole point is that it's a bad name. Do you go into the lock studio and tell the man, no, you're wrong? You go with that genius. Go with God. So here we are, two
0: Jews and two black dudes reviewing movies. That is what it is. Yeah, by the way, movie reviews with two blacks and two Jews... Sounds like it sounds like a limerick. Right? Now that we should get dressed up for. (laughs) Jeff, today on the podcast. Today on the podcast we have two upcoming artists, Mm -hmm. prime. Yeah. And uh they are individually Royce the Five Nine and Mm -hmm. DJ Premier. Okay, well. And I hope that people give them their full support, you know, like just like you would give to any actual artist. But anyway, what's really exciting about this interview
1: is that We asked questions that they had never answered before, and they told stories that they have never told before, which... Well, you make it sound like we're, like, pressing them. No, 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 no. (laughs) No, (laughs) just overall, this was an interview where you get new information, because how do you approach talking with two guys who are so seasoned? Yeah. This was really cool, because we went about it in a different way. It wasn't your normal, a waste of time with It's the Real interview, nor was it your normal whatever outlet interview so this was really cool talking with two guys who have been around for such a long time who have great perspective on the music business on themselves and just have stories about everybody.
0: So yeah. it was great. But again, it wasn't like we were asking, Who were your influences? And then it's like, oh, uh, I'm glad somebody finally asked. Yeah.
1: This one's a great one. We know there's a lot of podcasts that we've done recently, and I think that you should listen to all of them because they're all great. So actually,
0: you want to know what? We finally got Royce the Five Nine on. Mm-hmm. And we've had Joe Budden on. Right. And we've had Joel Ortiz on. Yes. All we're missing is Crooked Eye. And then? And then? Slaughterhouse Bingo. Yeah. Then the album comes out. Jeff, when do you want
1: to get into this podcast?
0: <laughs> uh, right now. Yo, what up, Eric, a.k.a. Goatee, a.k.a. Stashbox. Yo, what up, it's Jeff, a.k.a. Sex Me So Good, I Say Blah
2: Blah Blah, a.k.a. Charlie Brown's Teacher. My name is Royce to Five Nine, and I'm one half of a group called Prime. <laughs> and I'm the other half of a group called Prime. That was totally on the fly. Yes,
1: <laughs> it was <up>, <laughs> yeah, me it's the real. <laughs> Guys, what's happening? You Good. Good. First time here. Yeah, no, welcome.
3: Uh, Royce seems to be very familiar. <laughs> <laughs> Good to see these
1: guys. Yeah, totally. Yeah. We've worked with Royce a number of times in a number of our different careers for MTV, doing sketches, just seeing you at different parties and everything. But premiere, while we've been at D and D and we've been around a lot of people that we have in common, right. we've never met you. But you've you've been around. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. Nice to meet you. How has the press run been so far? Good, good. I mean, uh, we're we're you know we're both not new
3: to doing press runs. I'm not a press run guy, <laughs> but uh, it's necessary to campaign when you're running for president. Does it ever get easier? <clears throat> nah, it, it, it's pretty much the same. You know, some interviews are good, some are whack. Uh, when I see Royce uh, greet you outside, and, yeah, yeah. and you were, you know, he's like, what's up, my guy? And I'm like, oh, shit, okay, you know them. I thought it was a, a first introduction, and he's already like, yo, remember we did this, and you just showed me the Slaughterhouse yeah. piece, which I never saw, which is <laughs> hilarious. When
1: was that? 2010, 2010? Yeah, I mean, it's, yeah, 2009, I think. It's called The Slaughterhouse Rules, and we turned you guys into a boy band, and it's it's just, mm-hmm. it's a classic video, and when we went to pitch you guys for that, we met you at D&D, mm-hmm. and...
0: It was the same day as uh, Charles Hamilton... He
1: just said that Dilla was going to executive produce his album, and he didn't get permission, right? Oh, right. And, and there was it was, it was, was a know. whole thing yeah. for his like debut album on Interscope. And we knew Joelle very well, and mm-hmm. we knew Joe very well. We did not know you, and we did not know Crook. Mm-hmm. So we're coming in there, and, you know, we're like... You know, we do these funny sketches and we're going to pitch you on like this thing where you're throwing roses at the camera and we're turning you into a boy band. And you had to get on the phone and coordinate this thing between the city of Detroit <laughs> and Charles Hamilton to make sure that he was ever allowed basically in Back the again. Midwest again. Yeah. And then we got to be like, so So you're going to like blow kisses. At the
2: camera? <laughs> <laughs> I find myself in that kind of position a lot.
1: Yo, you you were like you were like there's three people that you have to come to to get permission for the city of Detroit and like it was super serious in there and we were just like ah oh, this is never gonna happen and then it ended, it ended up it being the like the greatest thing ever yeah <laughs> the greatest it did numbers and and that was that was just amazing that was a great piece
0: of content man yeah have you ever done an interview in somebody else's apartment um
3: <laughs> uh, hmm. have I. <laughs> Not, no I guess not It's no.
1: exactly like every sterile you know, radio station that there is The same <laughs> format and all of that is sterile. Yeah. <laughs> You guys are legends At the top of any list of greatest producers and greatest MCs But looking back What was the point for each of you Where someone you admired gave you the props That you never could have imagined
3: hmm. For me it was uh, EPMD for me, I always just wanted the, you know uh, artists that I looked up to 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 say we were dope. We we didn't think them. We I mean we all want to get the money and, and, <laughs> and the girls and all that stuff. But we just wanted all the you know the rock hymns and canes of the world and you know to just say yo you're dope. And <clears throat> we saw e- EPMD at a at a club and uh, you know because at that time in the '90s, early '90s, late '80s, to even be able to get into the clubs was hard. Because you, it was selective. And so they'd be like, you, you, not you, you, not you. And you'd be like, yeah, we're, we're dope, though. <laughs> like, so, not you. Weren't you weren't wearing hard bottoms. Yeah, 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 that, yeah, that was the
0: issue. It was a grown-in, <laughs> sexy crowd. Yeah, yeah.
3: and, and, and I even, even the hip-hop spots. Yeah, yeah, I mean, yeah. yeah. yeah you, you couldn't get in if you just weren't either down or whatever. So once we, they were like, oh, gang star. And it was like, wow, we're in, you know. Next thing you know, we see uh, EPMD, which, you know, they've always been huge to us, to everybody in hip-hop. One of my favorite groups, they make such consistent albums. And they were like, Yo, we want want y'all to go on tour with us and open up for us. And we we're like, What? <laughs> next thing you know, we were on tour. Me, Lil Dap, <clears throat> a nine millimeter pistol, a uh, six pack of Heineken, <laughs> and, and my tour manager, Gordon. And we were on, uh, opening up for him, opening up for, for them with Chub Rock, <clears throat> with a poke on the wheels of steel, you know, from track masters you yeah. know they weren't even no track masters you're right yet. and uh mary j plodge was the backup singer for father mc <laughs> and doing our, singing i do for you you know and you know so she and she wasn't out yet as a solo artist you know
1: so and dj quick so you thought that was it you're like this i made we it like, we, yeah, a- we felt
3: like we made it you know it was like <clears throat> i still remember that day next thing you know we meet Redman and craig mack who were their roadies they were the ones that set the stage up because they used to come out of these bank uh, out of bank banks <laughs> what? you know what I'm saying so they would they would come on with the hoodies and you know all dark gear with flashlights with the little mystery, mystery music and they turn the combination thing and they won't open. They keep doing the lock to open it and then they get the detonator and then they do it and it goes <laughs> boom and the smoke comes and the door's open and EPMD comes out of the bank vaults so and be like ooh.
2: And they Bro, just, <laughs> always has yeah, the best stories, man. And this is not just when we doing interviews. This yeah. is all day. Like we be talking, like I've been knowing you for 20 years and I didn't notice. <laughs> <laughs> I thought I told you that one. Crazy, <laughs> that. Yeah, no, nah, it was crazy just to see him. Because
3: that taught me how to do, you know, Live shows, like seeing them coming out of the and then to watch it every show, you know, to, to know that the crowds gonna go, oh man, yeah, and they would just come out and just go right into your customer.
2: Oh my god, like, wow. What about you, Royce? Man, listen,
3: anybody who are your roadies? <laughs> <laughs> That's it. Like, I, I, I can
2: talk that, but yo, anybody who knows me knows that I fan out for a few people. Floyd Mayweather and Red Man are like two of my favorite, like professionals. Yeah. Mm. And um, I went to a Floyd Mayweather fight Like when I was a young kid The last time he fought in Detroit um, He fought at the Joe Louis Arena mm-hmm. And uh, the guy he was fighting against Came out to boom Wow So I was What was I had to be what 19, 20
3: What, 20? Well, what was that 98 No no it was 2000 2000 okay yeah, So yeah okay
2: The guy he was fighting came out to boom <laughs> Here's the correlation So Red Man, when I was a younger kid, when I was really a kid, he was he was in St. Andrews performing. And um, this guy I was in a group with named June at the time called the main focus. We told ourselves we were going to rap for Red Man. So when he came out the back door, E. Sermon got in the car in the limo. Red was about to get in the car. My man said, yo, Red, let me rap for you. So I froze up. <laughs> he rapped for Red Man. Red Man gave him a pound, told him it was dope. And I I froze up. And I was kind of mad at diversity spit because it was like some freestyle shit. And it was like, why you ain't spit the shit in the song we had? You know what I'm saying? Like, we had one shot to get Redman. Dog, fast forward. Redman recently, I think it was this year, he compared me to Floyd Mayweather with the pen on his Instagram. He said, I'm the Floyd Floyd Mayweather of lyricism. Wow. So, to me, that's what success is. Yeah. I mean, you know, everybody has their definition. Some people it to money, mm-hmm. to me that's success. Did you ever have a chance to tell Red Man that like you missed your opportunity at nineteen? No, <laughs> he does not know. He does not. When I met Red Man, he didn't know. He thought that was our first time meeting. He didn't know he seen me before. And you kept it that way. Yeah, yeah. I didn't say that. <laughs> I never really got a chance to get close to him. He got a little cool with Marshall. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So when I seen him, I was around. I, it was a, the M session where they got together to do the thing for the soundtrack back in the day. Mm-hmm. So I met him there I remember playing him boom In that session actually Mm. And he was like Yo (laughs) He told me I was nice That meant a lot But yo When he compared me To Floyd Mayweather It was like "All right, (laughs) Now I'm respected Man And I idolized him Like when I I, Early on rapping I rap exactly like
3: him I could add on to that Mm. I was at Jay Z's tour uh, When Redman and Method Man Opened up for them And we were all hanging out backstage after the show and i was going and we were parked with all the tour buses and i'm walking to the car and we hear boom playing and red and meth sitting in somebody's car oh yeah I reciting that. the song because like i said, they heard it enough to where they, they knew it and they had the little cassette single and i was just like yo <laughs> i was wondering who was playing it, and i look and it's red and meth sitting in the car
2: oh my god wow. Wow.
3: listening to it i was like wow
2: I felt like that when I met Razz too. Really? Yeah, it was like backstage somewhere. I was with Marshall again. I think it was one of the Lyricist's lounge shows. Mm-hmm. And um, I stared at him for a long time. <laughs> <laughs> he kept looking back, and I think he could see me looking at him. So I finally just got up to Courage and was like, what up, Razz? And he was like, what's up, Royce? I was like, holy shit, you know my name? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it was on from there. We've been cool ever since. Though.
1: You guys have a new album now, mm-hmm. Prime 2. Mm-hmm. Prime 1 was, like, received amazingly on every corner of the internet and in real life. What made you guys want to get back and try to top something that was universally seen as amazing?
2: I feel like people still want to hear it. They want to hear more. You know, like, the first album was really, really short because we originally started out doing it as an EP. People don't know. So when I got to four, was it four or five? Five. When I got the five songs, I had to pretty much twist Preem's arm for those <laughs> other four songs. So, I almost cried. <laughs> yeah, so it was like we weren't officially a group. I feel like I needed to show him first. He needed to actually see it, you know what I'm saying? Because he didn't go into it with the same mind frame as me. Very difficult when you're talking about a man who has arguably one of the best groups ever in the history of hip-hop right. to convince him <laughs> to go down that road again. So it took it took some it took some convincing. Yeah, it took a lot. So um, this time it was just an opportunity for us to go in. All like balls to the wall, like both of us ready. We want to do it. Nobody's talking anybody into it. We both see the vision. We both feel like it's something that we want to do. It's necessary. People are asking for it. And it's a money grab.
0: It's just a complete <laughs> money grab. Man, it's <laughs> so not. a it's bunch, so not a, a bunch a money of radio, radio crass, uh, <laughs> crossover hits. It's yeah. a rabbit hole grab.
2: Yeah, it's a rabbit hole. We're trying to be down the bunny hole, mm-hmm. the billionaire, yeah. the billionaire bunny yeah. hole, the billionaire bunny hole. It's nothing. It's nothing more beautiful than watching um, established artists who've been around for a while, able to do really, really old content that they have because it never gets old. Like you can't even use The word old To describe it mm-hmm. Like Prem was telling me a story When he went to see Jay-Z Last time On our last What was it The 444 tour or was um, it the one before The 444. 444. 444 tour And he said he was doing All of these songs Off Reasonable Doubt That he hadn't done In a long time mm-hmm. And it's crazy man Just to be able to go back Into your catalog and just grab old songs that people don't even you know what i'm saying like you don't even hear people talking about and then you just perform and people go crazy yeah I that's got to feel great
0: did you see what big sean is doing for his new tour he's uh mm-hmm. he's allowing the audiences to do like to just pick the the playlist and so he's like you want to hear lemonade from 2009 you want to hear um you know deep cuts from like mixtapes yeah mm-hmm. like you can which is really
1: dope. Yeah, which is yeah. really dope. When you guys approached doing a second project, were there any ideas that were like left over from the first one that didn't make the cut? That you guys were like, well, here's a good starting point, or how do you pick up and go in the direction that you chose to go in?
3: <clears throat> no, because uh, the the first one, obviously, shout out to Adrian Young, who's uh, I I even did an intro to the Prime to it, you know, shouting him out for being the reason why uh, him and Mike on over at, a, at a Shady. Uh, for being the reason why we even did it in, in that format. Everybody knows I'm known for digging for records to make my beats. Prime is the only project, only, and will only be there forever that I use a one person's catalog to it, to twist it into a premiere mm. style of their sound. So that's not really my sound of what I know I would normally sample because th- there's so many other variations of what I like to do when it comes to getting dirty, dusty records, but... In, only with Prime, it, it, that's what makes it so unique Because I, I'm only locked into one artist sound And I have to convert it into the way I program beats So Adrian Young is the, you know I would consider him the originator of the whole mm-hmm. Prime sound And then, you know, uh, Prime 2, we use Ant-Man Wonder <clears throat> Where Prime 3 could end up being Frank Sinatra You know, <laughs> to where it would be only Sinatra records And i make beats that way And next one might be Prince And the only Prince, you know, just freestyle and that but that's how it is only Prime will be that project where I don't dig for anything Mm. I even said it could be a horn it has to come from the Ant-Man Wonder catalog or whatever so no other records even have I don't even pull any records at all or go shop them to dig Yeah. so with Prime 2 now we know what we're doing the first one was more of an experiment that Mm -hmm. you know that was really supposed to be a slaughterhouse project still prime oriented but just a slaughterhouse project that just didn't pan out but so now that we have it down, a lot of my tweets were just like, "Are we gonna get a prime 2? Like they were already calling it prime two. Yeah, they weren't. It wasn't even like before we said that's what we we're gonna call it.
0: You guys could have called it two prime two furious or. <laughs> 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 nah, no, 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 damn, you know that?
1: Yeah, two uh, prime two furious. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, 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 but it's prime you know, two. If it was an experiment, were you guys surprised that it hit
3: like the way it hit? I wasn't surprised because just me and Royce always make bangers together, so that that was the easy part. Yeah, you know he's the one like you said he had to convince me to say let's <laughs> just do this and go all the way past an EP. You know, because once he started saying six, seven, eight, nine song, songs, I'm like, dude, come on. I'm done. And he's like, come on, you could do another one. And well, I'm about to say no to Royce. Right. You know, so I'm like, all right. And then that turned into another one. He's like, yo, I just got Killer Mike. I tweeted him and told him I saw something in the interview he liked. And he said, send me the beat. Night, and he's got a verse. And I'm like, OK, that's another song. And then, yo, I got such and such on the record. And I'm like, god damn, you know, who's next? You know, Michael before he died. <laughs> so, you know, because he doesn't tell me who the features are. At all, just it's like, just a surprise.
2: Yeah, it was for the first album. First okay, album. it was for the first album, and that's just because I understand Prem as a creative so much. At that moment, with just with the way things were, had I been like, "Yo, I got um Absol and Mac Miller," mm-hmm. I'm gonna put them on this song. No, <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna make this tailor made for that. You know what I mean? Like, which costs more time? Yeah. So it was just like. I was just Surprising him I was just And it was To motivate him and Don't get me wrong If it would if have been Anything he didn't like we pull it right. You know what I mean But it was just Just trying to be Productive Just progressive Progressive
0: And so for this one You guys did what Like 17 tracks Like it 15, 15, 15 And yeah. I did two, two skits uh, The one just
3: explaining And saluting Adrian For now Passing the torch To the next uh, Sound of, A, of Ant-Man And then uh, and then for people that may have forgotten, because I remember when the first one came out, a lot of comments on Instagram and all that were like, "Yo, this don't sound like the way you usually do your style with the, <laughs> the digging in the crates." It all sounds like, like 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 a whole new sound, and it's like we explained that, and you you know you didn't get the memo, so it was almost like a jab at all those people. Like just in case you didn't hear us, this is what Prime <laughs> is, so you understand. But but it, this one was, I guess we looked more forward to it because as, as I said before, now we knew what we were doing with Prime,
4: mm-hmm.
3: where it's, it's totally understandable. But, uh, and then from there, uh, I did a skit right before a song called Flirt, which is one of my favorite ones. And <clears throat> I just felt like it needed a skit to explain how relationships Come in so many different facets, like you know, love relationships, friend relationships, business relationships, and uh, but the love relationships are usually the the most toughest that that are more universal Mm because even if you're not dealing with a business situation, we all. And I said if you're if you haven't been in love relationships, I said you will one day, and Mm then I then I said here's an example, and then him and uh, one of the artists on the album (laughs) breaks it down and very well. So,
1: So. You're talking about, like, on Instagram, people are leaving comments and saying, like, oh, this is not how you usually do it, whatever, Mm -hmm. whatever. You guys are both, like, veterans and so widely respected. Do you take any of that to heart, like, when people, like, say, like, things that are just totally left on Twitter or on Instagram?
3: It depends on how it's said and because i like to debate people I, I i remember when i was young i was always told that i'm a great debater because <laughs> i just got to put up a fight i'm an aries so we me and my manager aries we butt heads all the time <laughs> i mean we we're, we're always arguing but it's very healthy and he'll say man we argue so well because we do because he's good i'm good and it's it's just i like debating mm-hmm. you know and uh And I'm very calculated in making sure I don't even misspell a letter when I... You don't want to give me anything, yeah. Yeah, when Mm, I fire back, I I proofread it because when I hit send... He's a master emailer. (laughs) I've been on those threads. (laughs) He's the best. Yeah, when I hit send, I make sure there's nothing... I'll delete it all and have to redo it again just because I left one letter out.
2: Yeah.
3: and And usually... I've learned now That some of these people Just like to be responded to Or hope that you say something
1: Right That makes their day They're never
3: like like, Fuck you motherfucker What you gonna do When you come to my town I'll see you Right It's always like Wow man I didn't know you was gonna Actually say something
2: (laughs) That's that's why it's good As an artist To get get out there On social media Mm -hmm. It's like You gotta develop With that too It's like After you've been on there For a certain amount of time You start to be able To differentiate The trolls Mm -hmm. From the people With real (laughs) opinions Yep you know, like in those people's real opinions as an artist, of course, you're going to take what they say somewhat to heart because you always want to hit your mark. Like you always want to feel like it, it, it hit the listener's ear the way that you intended it, mm. even though people are always going to perceive things based off of whatever their level of perception is. You know what I mean? So it's like sometimes it's like, damn, is this person just not getting it because they just not on that level to think on that level? Probably. Or did I should <laughs> That I shoot a blank this time mm-hmm. you know what I mean yeah. I'm constantly looking at myself so I'm always reading comments and it was like yo, if this, if it's been thoroughly explained if we explain to you over and over again what this is and then you pop up with a question like hey man why I don't sound like the chops like how you normally do <laughs> then it's just like all right you just not getting it that's, my, that's not my problem and you gotta ignore it but <laughs> yeah so there's times
3: my, my team will be like yo why are you responding but it's like that's what it's for I mean, what, I can't say anything? (laughs) Like, like that's what it's for. And sometimes I, and, you know, if it gets to where I only have like 41 to 40, uh, you know, comments where it's just starting to bubble, I'll check those. When it starts to get to, you know, 368, (laughs) I'll still scroll, but it'll be like, I can't read all of this. (laughs) But I might catch that one that's like, you know, I'm really disappointed or whatever, and it's like, but the first thing I'll do is check their page, Mm -hmm.
0: and they usually... Private mm-hmm. and then they only
3: have forty followers. I'm like, Well, that's not worth it because But it's an
0: important forty followers. <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Well I'll check who they're following.
2: Yeah. yeah. I won't argue with an egg, bro. No. I won't argue oh, with a yeah, egg. egg. But out. I'm mm-hmm. telling you, man, like there's been times where I barked back on people and I felt bad afterwards. <laughs> so I stopped barking back on people. I start only entertaining shit if I'm really really bored. Like, <laughs> I got like some time on my hands, but even when I do it, I make sure I come across in a way where they know I'm just fucking around. Mm-hmm. I don't like like.
3: I saw one years ago. I don't even think we were doing prime yet, and you, it was like they were talking about they'll come see you in your town. You were like, "Here's my ass," <laughs> and, I, and I texted you like, "Yo, yo, you're, you're crazy." And he's like, Bro, "Yo," and, was... and you said, "You said I'll be on the porch waiting." For yo, once like,
2: you once oh. you run into one of those people. And you see that it there's they're nothing like what they're saying. It make you look at it different, right? Why am, I, actual actual Why am I so right. mad? Right. You, know what I'm <laughs> you gave your ad. No, I ran into a dude who was threatening me. I ran into him. oh, real seen him. His name was Joe Budden yeah. <laughs>
4: <laughs>
1: Now, what was the dude who um who got angry about uh, like a Kobe argument, right? on Oh yeah, and he went to Temecula. Yeah, <laughs> he said, "Meet
0: me in Temecula." Yeah.
1: Really? That? Yeah. On Twitter, it was a Twitter argument and it was over Kobe mm-hmm. and this dude was ready to drive like 80 miles down to, you know, to California.
2: Oh yeah, that's that's in the road rage category. <laughs> yeah. That's it's some th- those emotions are similar.
1: Royce, are you a Chevrolet man or a or a Ford man or or what are you?
2: Mm, I don't know if I'm either, man. Oh. Um Mitsubishi. <laughs> yeah. You know what, man? Like I there yeah, there is there are Fords, there are Fords and Chevys that I like i'm kind of a car guy but did you have family who worked at the plants my father worked at a plant. Mm-hmm. my father worked at chrysler when we were super young mm. for a minute my my granddad retired from chrysler so you're a chrysler family um i don't know if we're a chrysler family because <laughs> my dad ended up a postal worker so he worked at mm. he worked at the post office um still does mm-hmm. still works at the post office but uh yeah i got a lot of my uncles worked at the plant that's basically what you strive to be in Detroit. Mm-hmm. Like, if you're not, like, a basketball player or something like that, some type of professional, you try, you want to get in the plant. That's where the health benefits are at. That's where, like, the good pay is at. Wow. That's what everybody strives to be. Like, if you get a plant job right out of high school, it, that may be better for you than going to college. Wow. That's so where B-Rabbit
0: uh, went in uh, eight Mile. There you go. Yeah, yeah. Accor-
2: according to the minds of Detroiters. that's Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, well okay, so you're – You know, 16, 17 and and rapping, what are you telling your
2: parents who were like, hey, go get a job somewhere at a plant? Yeah, I told my mom, um, I think I told my mom somewhere around 18 that I wanted to be a rapper. She laughed. (laughs) At that point, it, it wasn't a such thing in Detroit. There wasn't a such thing, right? right? It wasn't there wasn't anything for her to re, like pull from, like to look at and say, "Oh, well, maybe he can do what this person is doing." Right? We had no pers- no such person. Right. Barry Gorey did not do right exactly, yeah. and that right. was when they were kids. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it was like that shit is over with. So It was like <laughs> my dad was like, "What? You gonna get a fucking job? That's what you gonna do?" Yeah. And he tried. He told me to go to the army. Tried to get me to go to the, the army. Army. That's when I moved. That's when I moved. I was out of there. So he sent you down to the recruiting. It was a recruiter that came to the house. They used to just show up at the house, like yep. they would pop up at the door, like even uninvited. They pop up at the door, like with we'll a suitcase. and however let's however go? they get, nah, <laughs> no, however they get, however they get your um your information, or they know that this kids that's a certain age in that mm-hmm. household. They'll knock on the door, like Jehovah's Witnesses, and try oh to try to get you to try to talk you into it. But my dad was like, "You going to the army?" And I I get it, you know mm-hmm. what I mean. He went to the army, you know what I mean. So he just probably felt like anything to keep this kid off the street yeah you know the basketball thing wasn't panning out the boxing thing never panned out you're gonna do something you're not gonna just sit around here you're not going to college i graduated a semester late so college was out of the question <laughs> yeah, yeah so it was just like you're going to the army and i was like nah i didn't know what i wanted to do but i knew i didn't want to do that and i knew, I knew in my heart i didn't want to go to the army and you did moved
0: you, did you have shitty jobs
2: yeah, I had a lot of shitty jobs, a lot of shitty jobs. I worked at um, TJ Maxx, which is a department store, yep. mm-hmm. oil dispatch, changing oil, and 7-Eleven all at the same time. I worked a night shift at 7-Eleven. I work oil dispatch in the morning. It took me about an hour to wash the oil and grease from under my fingernails my to make it to the department store by four. And, and you were doing what at the department store, folding clothes? Working the uh, customer service register. Were you good at that? I was pretty good <laughs> I was pretty good I had a lot of um, female um <laughs> <clan Clientel>. fans <laughs> a lot of female fans that worked there a lot of MILFs a lot of MILFs like me a lot of MILFs like me but it was, it was like they used to just always talk about how calm I was like I just love how calm you are like because the people used to come in complain about things return things and then the, the people That were working there Were like always so mad Like <laughs> what the fuck You mad for You know what I'm saying Like This person always Coming in and returning stuff <laughs> So <laughs> Like why does that Make you so mad yeah, You know what I'm saying Like this. Is it I, Can I see your check Is it like coming <laughs> out Of your check Like I, you, you need to make Me understand this <laughs> So they would come in And they would do things Even when I would knew That they were like Scamming But it was just like As long as it was in the comf- Within the confines Of what you know Like what the Rules were what we yeah. had to do. I just did my job, man.
1: So three jobs every twenty four hours. When are you finding time to work on your music?
2: I don't remember how much music I did at that time, but mm. I wasn't. I wasn't doing a lot of music anyway. My first time going to a studio was when I actually got those jobs because I could actually afford to pay to get in one. And mm-hmm. I remember. I remember maybe recording on the weekends. I know Tuesday nights so I went to that benny Showcase, and I didn't miss a week of that. Was there the thought in
1: your head that like? I'm gonna make it
2: to New York I'm gonna make it to Los Angeles I didn't I didn't ever think about Traveling at that moment I didn't think about Traveling until Rick Eric Ria Got that job And he came to the studio Him and My manager still Keno mm-hmm. um, They knew each other somehow They came to the studio And heard some music I was working on And he was like Yo I'm A&R Quest Records Why don't you come to New York And stay with me That was my first time Even really thinking about Like Leaving You know what I mean You get on a flight Yeah I got on the flight And guess who Gave me some money My dad mm. He gave me money Took me to the airport it's just like So all the shit he talked It's like He must have believed something That's amazing It wasn't like He was hearing me Rap at the in the showcase He just seen how How much plan. I wanted He
3: must be glad uh, Proud of you now with-
2: I hope so <clears throat> I hope so I mean you know He's not the type To be like you know, I always wanted to tell you how proud I am of you. <laughs> That's not <how> my fault. <laughs> my dad might punch me in the chest. Get <laughs> out of here. <laughs> Primo,
0: what was your first TV appearance?
3: First TV appearance? Yeah. I would probably say uh, Rap City, with words I meant. No, Video Music Box. Mm.
4: Which, with Ralph, Ralph McDaniel. Yeah, yeah. That's,
3: And see, I, when I moved to New York, that's. I remember I used to go play. I've, I've always been in sports and. uh we used to play catch on on Hendrick Street in, in the hood in East New York, uh, mm-hmm. and uh, this kid, me and this kid Oliver, and we used to throw the ball way from one end of the block to the next, cause I had to, at that time I had an arm. <laughs> and we'd do that and then all of a sudden he's like, oh man, it, it, it's, it's almost four o'clock, I, I gotta go, I gotta go. And I'm like, what, do you gotta go eat? And he, cause
4: they come from <laughs> school.
3: He's like, no, video music boxes on. I'm like, what's same. that? Mm, same. And he's like, yo, Ralph McDaniels and the Vid Kid. And I'm like, the Vid Kid? <laughs> and you know, I, I go inside and he told me it's public, you know, public access and I look and, you know the whole uh, Houdini 5 minutes of fun comes on and dun, 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 <laughs> and i'm just and and they covered new york local stuff like if it was a party in the hood for one of the homies ralph was there it's like yo this is like the purest New York you can get. And he played everybody's video that was popping from Special Ed to ice tea to, you know, and, and then they were like, yo, we want to introduce your new video. Can y'all be on the show to introduce it? And I'm like, wow, we're going to be on Video Music Box. where well, I became addicted to that more than Yo MTV Raps and Rap City, mm. you know, because we were, all with, we were on there too, but that's all label, uh, you know, setups. This is not label setups. This is just them reaching out saying, we want y'all to be part of the neighborhood show. <laughs> Next thing you know, you know, we we watched it all the time, and then they started they started classic concepts, and all of a sudden they're doing everybody's videos. You know, with the color, with the you know, be black and white with a little bit of blue in it. They're doing Boys to Men videos. They're doing Poison for uh, And Then all of a sudden they're doing Can it be all so simple for Wu Tang? And they're doing uh, you know. Uh, Incarcerated Scarfaces mm. and stuff like that. And I mean, and Cream. And then all of a sudden, they're like, yo, we're going to, we want you to shoot a Gangstar video. And they do Code of the Streets and they do Take It Personal. And I was like, wow, we, we're in, you know.
0: <laughs> and so, yeah,
3: Video Music Box. What
0: was your first national look? Nationally. I remember you were on Leno, like yeah. really early.
3: Yeah, we, uh, we did uh, Take It Personal uh, with Jay Leno. Uh, Brand for Marcellus. We were living together at the time because. We were taking over his uh, brownstone that he had on Washington Avenue. I was living, I had moved to the Bronx.
1: Which is crazy, by the way.
3: Yeah, we, we because that's how we got our major deal, him and Spike Lee. Spike Lee saw the Embroider Manifest video, uh, bought the, you know, guru looked like Malcolm X to him. Mm-hmm. He bought the album, heard the record Jazz, jazz Music. Uh, he was working on Mo' the Blues at the time. He thought it was a close a close call to what he wanted from a rap group but not he said we weren't direct enough with the people we mentioned we actually did (laughs) dedicate to our grandfathers me and guru's grandfathers were close in age and we did it for them because they were like you know y'all y'all rappers you know y'all never talk about jazz and jazz is really part of the the street and the struggle you know the drugs everything you know we 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 were struggling harder than you know in our day so that's why we did the dedication and then that's when spike said, yo i want you to do a, a a a deeper rendition of the song but he said, I'm going to give you a, a poem. It don't rhyme, but it's a poem from this guy named Eric Eli. And he's naming a lot of people y'all should have mentioned.
1: By the way, if he said this today on Instagram, you would have been like, Man
4: <laughs> <laughs>
3: And then Guru saw, the, saw the, the paper. And he was like, yeah, don't rhyme, but I could do this right now. And he just looked at the paper and just said, put me in the booth. And just was like, so it might say Charlie Mingus. And he'll go, such number fingers. Because we knew you know, what instruments they played. And he just did that in one take. And next thing you know, uh, Chrysalis Records, uh, Duff Marlowe, Big Up, he was like, yo, I want to sign y'all to a major. And at that time, signing majors was a bit new thing. Mm-hmm. And we were like, wow, we're getting to a major deal. So been, being at Branford was the one overseeing everything. He was like, man, I'm... <clears throat> look for somebody to take over and rent my place if you want to take a look at it so when we saw it we was like yo this place is dope we were out of thinking all the parties we can have
1: and, and
3: man we tore that place up man. are they different
1: type of parties than Branford had oh yeah. <laughs> I mean it was to where we
3: were coming on before he moved to be the pro, the, the music director with Jay Leno mm-hmm. it was me him his son Reese and his wife uh, well we call her Tess because mm-hmm. her name is Teresa we, we'd come home late and it'd be a night when him and Branford, uh, him and his wife are fighting so <laughs> So he's like sleeping on the couch, but we all shared the same answering machine. So me and Guru would be like, yo, them girls last night they called us. Let's go check the answering machine. So we could, we'd walk in the room, but you could see the light on the answering machine. Like, you know, it'll say like nine in red. And we, we we don't know Branford's on the couch. So we'd be like, let's check the message. <laughs> Boo, hey Keith and hey Chris. You know, they call me by my real name. Also you hear somebody going, like, God damn it. I'm like, oh shit. Turn on the light, it's Branford going, you motherfuckers can't wait till the morning. We're like, yo, we didn't know you was on the couch. He goes, man, I can't, my, my wife's driving me crazy and y'all driving me crazy. We're just like, yo, sorry, man. He goes, just check in the morning. We he'd go back to sleep, we'd lower the volume and be like, hey, He'd be like, you know what, fuck this. We'd get up and go back and sleep a little with his wife, you know what I'm saying? And we, we'd be like, okay, he'd go back to sleep, turn it back up and listen to listen to the rest of the messages. And uh, you know it, it, that's how we bonded. You know, next thing you know, he moved to LA. I stayed out there with him for a month, and he was like, "You know, I'm gonna see if I can get y'all on the show." And they want us to do jazz thing.
0: Mm, I want. That's how they sold it. it? <clears throat> yeah, I
3: wanted to take it personal. I was <laughs> like, yo, Branford, let us do take it personal, and he, he made it happen. And yeah. then you had
0: to teach. Uh Jay Leno, how to like you know? I
3: didn't know all that was gonna happen. He said we're gonna, he's gonna talk to you. I was like, he said, are you gonna be able to explain? I was like, yeah. (laughs) I'm more than happy. I remember kept wanting to take the mic from him every time he wanted to talk. I'm like, yeah. (laughs) You know, so I remember, I remember Eric and Parrish reached out to us and said yo, that was such a dope demonstration of hip hop that you did because you know it's it's Jay Leno. Yeah, you know, Mm. I used to watch Johnny Carson, so. Look at Fallon I mean That's one of the biggest shows Even you know With him being a younger Target audience And Mm -hmm. he's still The biggest talk show For you know Late night Yeah He's bigger than Seth And everybody He's still like huge
0: Royce who have you Have you been uh, Done national TV You've been to SNL
2: Uh TRL TRL. Um, I went. I did it with Marshall. Um, Dude, you remember when they used is, to go to like Cancun? And yeah, stuff? Uh, oh, the, uh,
3: the, not the grind.
2: Uh, he, was that yeah. TRL or was that no, something? It was MTV. TRL, MTV T- spring Break. Spring yeah. Break. Spring Break. There you yeah, go. Yeah, I there saw you you, you. you had the, the, yeah, he, the straw hat on. He, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> he was doing. My name is. Yeah. And it was like, I, I think that was my first time on TV because I remember my mom being really, really proud that yeah. I was up there. Hype man. The straw
1: hat. <laughs> yeah. Everything. Your mom was tuned in at three o'clock or whatever. I think they used to air it
2: like all day Like yeah, you know yeah. it, They would air it at like 3 And then it would go into like A little mini syndication mm-hmm. thing You know what <laughs> I mean So that was like my first time I think being on TV That I could remember Were you nervous? I won't think I was nervous bro Cause I was just I didn't get nervous hype man Mm-hmm it was the easiest job ever it was just so fun just being out there not really having a lot of pressure you know what i mean like i didn't have to remember a whole lot of shit i knew all M songs anyway yeah did you guys stay down there longer than just the performance day um yep we did stay a little bit longer i remember getting into some trouble you know so we definitely stayed waters yeah yeah we we definitely stayed up again yeah Yeah. i had long long talks with buster (laughs) Rhymes. And it was definitely uh we we had a ball down there, man. From what I can remember, yeah. Mm-hmm.
1: I feel like all conversations that Busta has is like a very long and deep, passionate, deep, deep yeah. and passionate. <laughs> yo God, body, yeah. like takes you under his like arm and keeps you there forever.
2: He's a he's a um he's a good OG to meet. Like if you want to meet one of the OGs that you look up to for the first time that <laughs> you meet an OG, yep, it's good that you get Buster first. <laughs> You know what I mean? Because he's he offers the jewels. You know what I mean? Like he'll offer, he'll drop jewels on you. Like it won't. He's not. He doesn't like hoard the jewels. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah.
1: And it's less offer than it's just like.
2: Yeah, it's like if he you. like you. If yeah. he like you, then you know, <laughs> then he telling you exactly. Fat Joe was like that too. Oh, I bet. Fat Joe, like Fat Joe, is not as you know, like loud and boisterous and shit. But Fat Joe was more cool and calm. Mm-hmm. But like one of the first things he said to me, I remember, was just like, "Yo, make sure you don't spend all your money." And make sure, like, he was just start telling me, you just start giving me advice. Yeah. And did I would really appreciate No, of course not. <laughs> what the hell? Of course yeah. not. You, know, yeah, you don't listen. listen. Who listens? Yeah, not I at was that, was that in age. I'm my 20s. I'm spending
1: that <laughs> Royce, when it came to major deals when you were a younger guy, like, how attractive were those offers? Like, how, how bad did you want to go with a major rather than, like, any other route?
2: Man, i tell you what. I never, my era, we only looked at getting a record deal, like the the whole independent thing. But aside from Isham in mm-hmm. Detroit, local legend, aside from him, the whole independent thing was a that was a south thing. Mm-hmm. That was a south thing. We wanted record deals. Yeah. I felt like if first of all, I felt like everybody that was on TV was rich. Mm-hmm. Redman was rich. Everybody on Rap City was rich. Right, if you, you on TV rich
0: because you were at the MTV Spring Break
2: thing. <laughs> no, by that time, by that time, I was starting to catch on. It was, yeah, I'm, I'm starting to get it now. Like, but before that, I thought everybody was rich, and I thought when you get a record deal, you made it. You know what I mean? So I wanted a record deal. Um, I ended up moving out to New York and taking a, a multitude of meetings, getting doors slammed in my face, and then I started working with Dr. Dre. Mm-hmm. Word got around that I was working with M and Dr. Dre And I started doing meetings with those same labels Because they wanted to re-meet me And I went and played the exact same demo to those same labels Who, who acted like you were somebody else <laughs> And just got a, Yeah, got a million dollar deal twice oh. So, I mean, well, it's all steam Steam chasers is what we like to call it
1: <laughs> What'd you know about, like, publishing? What'd you know about, like, advances?
2: What'd you know about any of that stuff before I, you I didn't know nothing about publishing Man, I knew it existed. Yep. I didn't understand it. Um, I don't think I cared <laughs> that much at that moment. I think I always came into this business feeling like the longevity would be there. Mm-hmm. I never really thought that I, I never really came in here and said, Yo, I want to hit, I want to make a hit. Mm-hmm. I was just thinking to myself, I'm about to make a, a bunch of albums, mm-hmm. so all of these things will come. My lawyer that I got at the very beginning, I'm still with that lawyer. Wow, so. Me too. A lot of the wow. thi- a lot of the things that he tried to teach me back then, it was like, "Gotcha, okay." You know what I mean? But yeah. I didn't really like it. when he was explaining publishing to me. It sounded like he was explaining fucking <laughs> Chinese calculus, bro. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But so it was just like I I knew I would grow into it eventually. What was that? How how long was that first deal? How many albums? Well, I signed for a five album deal. Right. But when I tried when I turned the album in, it was just like we don't know. We like their songs But we don't really know Who you are By listening to these albums That was your A&R this, saying that? To this album That was the entire staff oh. T- Tom Silverman And <laughs> yeah. everybody Yeah Because they would bet in the farm on me They gave yeah. me a million Tommy Boy Wasn't giving yeah, people yeah. A yeah. million dollars Yeah So um, I didn't know what he meant man Like I was like What's wrong with these people What are they talking <laughs> about These songs are fucking great I had five Pharrell beats Oh my god I had the clips on the song This was I was a little bit Ahead of myself I was a little before my time with this Not that I I mean Detroit rappers are ahead So you know <laughs> Yeah Listen Not that I completely knew What I was doing Cause I didn't know how to make albums mm-hmm. But just like What I heard in Pharrell People weren't hearing at that time Within the business Tommy Boy definitely didn't understand them. My lawyer didn't understand yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody really It was like it, that sound? It was like yeah. Why are you getting All these beats from this guy I was like It's something about him man Like it was something About his energy And something about I love working with him Did you go down to Virginia To work with him We did all five songs together Whoa Yeah He was one of the first people I worked with him Right before I worked with Preem I met Pharrell Right before I met Preem Damn it's a pretty good track record Yeah <laughs> Yeah Yeah so it was So like, it was just Pharrell Or Pharrell and Chad Or Pharrell and Chad mm-hmm. Pharrell, Chad Kalise it was Kalise was in there with uh, when I first seen her she had on a all silver outfit it looked like a tight aluminum foil outfit <laughs> and she had a huge afro and it was all pink she was she was Kalise I've never seen she was 19 years old and I've never seen a girl that look like that in Detroit oh my god and I was like one of, I was like where where am I at like what the fuck <laughs> is going on like this is this is crazy I've never seen a girl that look like that so it was like her and then um, the clips. Yep. I, I I'll take it even further. The the way I got into the studio with them was um, friend of mine Eric Rhea who I moved out here with when I first came to New York the first time to you know we we were shopping a to deal together. He was working at Quest Records Quincy Jones mm-hmm. label, and Rob Walker was another. He was A and R and Rob Walker was A and R. You know Rob Walker yep. managed Pharrell at the time. Yep. So I played Eminem's. Local EP for Rick. Rick played it for Rob. Rob said he was whack. He was like, he's whack. Get that <laughs> shit out of here. <laughs> so somehow, bro, me, Marshall, Pharrell, Derek Jackson. You remember Derek Jackson? Derek Jackson ended up on the phone with some group. With well, not some group. A group called The Clinic from Ohio. They were super nice. Mm. Pharrell, me, Marshall, the group called the Clinic. We all got on the phone and we all battled. What? Yes. Wow. On the phone. This is before anybody was famous. On the phone, everybody was on the line at the same time. How long did this go? It didn't take long. <laughs> <laughs> it didn't take long at all.
4: My lunch Detroit for, for the right. W. Yeah.
2: But, but you know, it, it was it was just great. It was a, it was a great moment. So, by the time I seen Rob in person when I went to New York for the first time, it was so much love. Yeah. On both sides It was so much love and respect Because we felt like we were like family already So when I met Pharrell It was the same thing We already was on the phone Oh and before Pharrell got off the phone He said Eric who who got Royce Royce you Eric you got him He said get this kid signed Get oh. him signed right now And oh. then he got off the phone Man. Yeah So Tom and them didn't understand what they had there You know what the first time he I, I think he was a little bit right He was kind of right mm. He was kind of right I wasn't um I wasn't really getting introspective at that time. Mm -hmm. I was still, I was fresh out of the open mics. Marshall had pretty much put me on too early. Mm. I didn't even know, barely know how to make songs. I just knew how to rap really well. Mm -hmm. So um, just learning how to express myself as an artist was the next layer that was coming in due time. Mm -hmm. And it was time for me to deliver right at that moment, and I wasn't ready.
0: Well, when you were signed to, you got signed to Columbia next? Mm Mm-hmm when you were on remixes with like will afford and usher like were those received well was that you stepping out of your comfort zone like how did you feel about those
2: no it was it was it was really comfort i was in the comfort zone doing them you know what i mean like i cuz i wasn't like pointing in a particular direction or anything like that and it as far as the rapping part it, it was easy for me to do it was just creating an album a complete album that would resonate with people as opposed to making music that people listen to and say, yeah, okay, I like that, that's cool, but that don't mean they wanna go listen to it again. Mm-hmm. And I think that's what Tommy Boy was looking for. They were looking for what Nas did with Illmatic, it was written. Mm-hmm. Something that's just gonna make a real dent in time. Mm-hmm. I guess they seen that kind of vision in me. And I seen I had that kind of vision for myself because when we would take meetings, we would talk about those kinds of albums. Hmm. Reasonable Doubt, you know, like albums that define artists. You listen to it, and you say, okay, this is this artist's magnum opus. They wanted me to do that out the gate. I just wasn't ready. How much time did they give you? When I played them the, the album that I had so far, after we went extremely over budget and I tore up his corporate apartment, <laughs> um, <laughs> I was pretty much released immediately. So, you know, I invited all the Detroit homies um, in for the VMAs. Marshall won his first VMA. We were all excited. Fast forward, the whole apartment gets trashed. <laughs> the housekeeper comes in weekly. She comes in, takes one look at the apartment, calls Tom Silverman, tell him that it looks like a crack house. <laughs> <laughs> and that's it for Royce 5-9 on Tommy Boy.
1: <laughs> um. So when did you guys first meet? 2001? 2000? 2000.
2: 2000. And what was that like? For me? Yeah. um, Similar to the Red Man moment. Similar to Redman moment I mean I always looked up to preem I think I may have Even wrote like A letter to D&D Like the um, y- Y'all had like a Like a um, An address Well which yeah y- Which I used to put on albums Oh Yeah
3: 320 was there, so, uh, Oh well,
2: Yeah Yeah it was an address But it was like Like a PO box it was, it was like send mail Send mail here And I remember Me and my man June The same dude That rap for Redman Yep He was like yo We should write D&D Cause that's the only way we had uh single, mm. and we was like, "Yo, we should write D and D because we need to get in the studio like that." Because I need my vocals to sound like that. We had no concept of like <laughs> how things were, how you got things to sound a certain way. Mm. We were still recording like in the basement, karaoke yep. machines and shit yep. like that. So we wrote a letter to D and D before. So it was like we looked up the pre- I looked up the preem on another level. So it was like when I got in and I knew that I was gonna have a budget. I had this guy named Mr. Dave. He wasn't even an a A&R, but he worked at Tommy Boy, and he had, like, a, a lot of pull. Well, at least at that time, he said he did. I don't I don't really, he didn't really stick around that long. I don't really know what happened. To him. He's cool as shit, though. Yeah, 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 TV. yeah, yeah. So um, I remember bringing Preem's name up to him when he told me, what producers do you want to work with? Because he basically said, you got carte blanche. Anybody you want, I said, I want DJ Premier. He said, I know Premier. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? I know Premier. You know what I'm saying? So he somehow got Preem on the phone and told him that I wanted to work with him and you know Preem you know you don't just get to work with DJ Premier you gotta know you or wanna like you or something send the bag <laughs> yes. <Yeah>. not even <laughs> he won't take your money he won't take your money so he said "Um, we had a big ass budget it was just like okay Preem was like alright well let me hear let me hear let me hear something so they sent him the, the freestyle that I did on the Tony Touch 50 MC's tape. Mm. He listened to that and said,
3: okay, I like him. All right, we can do something. <clears throat> the same one y'all did uh, that Dre did for uh, next episode. <clears throat> oh my God. Yeah. He, he had me one. rapping over the he straight loop. He did no drums. But but the straight loop, yeah. That's one of the greatest, like, you spit so ill on that.
2: Thanks, man. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I, I mean, he, no, he's, and I was a fan
3: of uh, Bad Me's Evil. Mm.
2: I didn't know you heard You had heard it.
3: Yeah, uh, Yeah, yeah, you didn't know, but uh, when I heard a Scary Movie I was like yo This, this dude They're dope they reef would Put me on to y'all
2: Yeah well we got We got together And um We clicked from there But when we When I came to the studio To do Boom Which was I believe The second song That we did together We did We did, we did my, my friend, friend first yeah. So when I came in To do Boom Um I was supposed to be To the studio At a certain time And I remember Being Going Getting there And he was there already Preem was working on He was actually working on the beat He said I'm working on this one I'm gonna do yours next And he was working on it And I'm like Well whose fucks is this? Oh, CNN He was like I'm doing this with a Capone and Noriega <laughs> And I looked around one corner And looked around on <laughs> another corner And I didn't see Capone and Norie So I said Where the hell they at? He was like They ain't got here yet I was like Well I want that one yeah. <laughs> So I did the same thing I did with the first Prime. I just talked him out of it. Yeah. I talked him out of it. And he ended up doing another beat for them. And that ended up being a classic. So it didn't matter. It didn't matter. Yeah. It did so, matter.
1: So there was never a thought at that time that you guys would just like lock in and do a full project together?
2: No. Nah. No. Nah, it, it took a long time for me to even, for something like that to even be in my brain as a, as a realistic thing that was tangible. Um, people talked about it. They always talked about it They always said Yo we want to see Prime do you know A project with Nas We want to see Preem Do a project with Royce But I never looked at it Like even a possibility Until 20 15 years later <laughs> Yeah it was I mean were well, you Exactly produced that one But 15 years later Where it's just like I got sober And I was like I wonder if Preem Would be down Cause I The original idea for Prime Was like you said For Slaughterhouse Mike mm-hmm. had the idea he thought it'd be a good idea for slaughterhouse one thing i I noticed about slaughterhouse is that things come out really well and they stick and they matter when we do things and everybody is into it Mm -hmm. you know like we all respect each other so much that it's like sometimes we'll do things and we don't really we're not all the way into the idea we'll just do it because we don't want to let each other down Mm -hmm. and shit so i didn't want it to be one of them kind of situations so I said, you know what, I'll do it. Maybe this is an opportunity for me to, me and Prem to get together and do something, do something a little bit different. It'll give me an opportunity to not have to think about like radio and all of that shit and just, just take it back, take it back to just beats and rhymes and just kind of like reintroduce myself in a way that's pure hip hop. Mm. You know, so that's that's kind of like how that came about. And that's the reason I, he sounded like he was kind of into the idea of doing it with Slaughterhouse. So I felt like, well, shit, I'm in Slaughterhouse. I'm actually his friend, you know what I'm saying? (laughs) So maybe he'll do it, you know what I mean? So it was a shot in the dark, but I gave it a shot, and it worked out.
1: Was there any thought behind, like, uh, not doing the Slaughterhouse Project because there were four guys who have four powerful personalities and come at it from a different way?
3: No, it was just, once they say it's just five songs, I'm like, okay, I can do five. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Because everything I do is organic, so it's just from, from, you know, blank canvas. That turns into a painting, So I was already just like, well, five songs really won't be that difficult. And then I know they're going to kill it. Yeah. You know, but then time wise, like Crooks of Crooks got to come into town. Mm-hmm. And then plus, it's better if we all are together to do it. Right. So schedule wise, I, I was already having other stuff that I had to finish. So, it you know, when it came to, you know, like Joel's in Brooklyn, but then Joe, Joey's everywhere. Mm-hmm. And he was everywhere at that time. And and then uh, Royce in Detroit, but, you know, the schedule and everything just never panned out to where it was kind of like stop, start, it, it's not happening, uh, maybe it's not, maybe it is, maybe it's not, yeah. oh, well, should we wait, should we just trash it, and then that's when Royce was like, well, I still want to do it, hmm. and he was like, yo, if it was me and you, would you still be down to do it, and I was like, well, that's even easier, because our chemistry is so great already, And people have been wanting us to do something together.
1: Yeah. There's a lot of beat makers out there, right? Mm. There's not a lot of producers out there. Right. And uh, a lot of producing is psychology, right? And it's pushing, you know, the artist to go in this direction or that direction. Mm. Um, Obviously, a lot of people are put onto that now considering, like, what No ID and Jay did together um, and the psychology behind that whole project was the first Prime Project and was the second Prime Project something where you needed to sort of like sit down and have these very deep discussions and like move it in a certain way that maybe was unexpected
3: no it was just convincing me to just stick with uh, Adrian's sound when I was like but let me just do it my way Mm -hmm. and they were like yeah but the whole key is Adrian is the sound you will manipulate his sound into the way you program beats.
2: Right. And I had to tell him that. <laughs> <laughs> man, I don't know about just pulling from one. <laughs> I was like, Preem, he doing whole compositions, bro. Like, it's going to be nothing like, nothing like what anybody, I'm sorry, no, okay. nothing like what anybody else has done. I was like, because nobody does what, I had to, man, I'm like Don King, bro. I to- <laughs> Only in America. Sometimes you got to like, sometimes you got to remind Preem of who he is, man. He's so humble. Marshall was the same way. They're a lot of like, bro. They're a lot of like... Well, who leaves their house more? Oh, definitely, I definitely Prim. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> definitely definitely Prim. Prim. be out here in this place. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Royce is heard my story. <laughs> is like, I, if I call Prim's phone and he's home, like if I FaceTime him and I see his crib in the background, I'm like, holy shit, what's going on, bro? You all right? You sick? You know, he knows I'm always out. He always, he always driving. <laughs> do you do the car test? Oh, yeah. Yeah.
3: It's mandatory Yeah That's mandatory. like a producer thing
2: That's a producer Mandatory thing. I've been checking mixes On my phone lately Really? Yeah well, no, Cause that's how Most that. people listen to it That's how a lot of people Listen put to it headphones on? Lately I've been listening to it Out of this speaker Oh right my! God. Put it up it's to my inter- ear It's interesting to do that <laughs> By I the put way Put it up to my ear Like, like I'm on the phone Yeah mm-hmm. uh, And I can hear a, I can hear a lot of things In the beat And I can hear a lot of things Vocally that I probably Oh would so pitch. you're playing it Through that,
3: that ear speaker Yeah Yeah you're not playing Through the speaker On the phone
2: no, it comes out of here. Yeah,
3: no, the speaker When you put it on speakers at the bottom. Oh yeah, no, no When I put you it on put speaker. it like it's, if you're talking to somebody on the phone. Okay, yeah. Because um, is that better? I, not, <laughs> I, I would. I mean, if he feels it. Yeah. <laughs> now I gotta wonder. Are we gonna I, break up Prime like, like right before our I eyes? I think I need to low. I think I need to lower some highs. Now. <laughs> I think the high has messed up on one.
1: But side. you gotta remember, I'm not approving the beat. <laughs> Besides D and D, what's the best sounding room you've ever been in?
3: Calliope um, where's that is, uh, that's where we went uh, Gangstar we went there because I saw that the Jungle Brothers first album was done there La <laughs> did a lot there Latifah did a lot there so I was like I needed to sound like that
1: where was like, that located
3: Calliope was on 37th <laughs> and between seventh and eighth oh. right oh. d and d, d-, 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 d yeah. yeah it's a jamba juice now yeah yeah exactly <laughs> yeah it was, it was it was located at jamba juice and uh you know um you know i remember ultra Magnetic mc's first album uh, tr love had on a calliope shirt and it said so hot it hurts yeah. and i was like and on the back at the calliope logo and i was like i want to oh, i want to be there because ultra Magnetic was there and, it just, you know, wherever the dopest record sounded sonically, I wanted to be at those studios. Yeah. So when we went there, that was really when I started to do beats my on my own. The first Gangstar album, it was me, Guru, and the engineer, Slomo Sonnenfeld, and we did it together. Yeah. That's why I don't feel like me and Guru used to call it No More Mr. Nice Guy, our resume, <laughs> because we felt like, you know, we would all learn how to make an album. You know, I'd be on the SP-12. Guru would we hit, hit the hi hat, I'd hit the 808, and we'd, we'd look each other all together and, and high five. Like, we'd be like, boom. we like, yeah. <laughs> and then he'd be like, so we're like woo, woo, and, you know, high five and lay it down. And we didn't even have automation. So, like, when we did Words on Manifest, that part we said, stop, think for a moment, okay? We did about 20 takes of that. Oh, my God. Because, you know, without automation, you have to literally go on sway. You had to go and boom. And if even one thing, back and do another yeah 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 so i have about 20 passes of it
0: do you miss like those days of you know more manual uh production not
3: not the unautomated one but (laughs) for once you know but just that whole going to tape process i love that process which is why i'm very meticulous now because you know you mess up on a punch you, you know, you, you it's gone. Yeah. You know, now you can just hit undo. Yeah. 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 <laughs> Open Apple Z is yeah, the greatest thing. Yeah, Apple yet. Z. You know. But like,
1: but isn't it like amazing to watch like standing in the shadows of Motown or something like that? And you just like you're like everyone's in the live room playing all at once. And if yeah. and if you if you fuck up, you're got to go back to the drawing board. <clears throat> yeah. I
3: have a lot of the old like sessions. You know, a lot of a lot of sessions are getting around now. And I was just in the Can't Hide Love from huh. Earth, Wind and Fire. Mm. In the part where they, where they do all the little uh, uh at the end, mm-hmm. they did that all on one mic.
1: Yo, I'm thinking, you know,
3: you know, Maurice, you on here, Philip yeah. Bailey here, <laughs> you know, Freddie on, on this one, and they blend it. It's all one track. So, I mean, they gathered around the mic and just sang that, and I was just like. Man, we ain't shit
0: uh, when it comes
1: to the process We heard what they're
0: doing. No, We're, I've heard Royce sing. Not yeah. great. <laughs> yeah. you know, what we He's from so? Detroit. He can... <laughs> no, we heard the um,
1: Ain't No Mountain High Enough Like
0: separated. It, mm. like That's just... Yeah, because you can hear like the boot stomps and yeah, all of that. Wow. The hand claps. Yeah. It's really amazing. Yeah,
3: and I studied that type of stuff, which goes back to how I, I create and produce and and, and I'm groomed by that mm-hmm. You know I'm groomed by Prince Records And Jackson 5 Records And like I said Earth Wind & Fire Al Green Curtis Mayfield Gladys Knight And The Pips Just all that stuff mm. Stevie it, So I'm that intricate
4: Yeah
0: What was the first studio That you walked into?
3: <clears throat> uh, Such A Sound With slow Mo mm. You
0: know
3: And then Then after that We went to Firehouse Which was Slomo's partner Yoram Vazan They were all <laughs> from Israel And uh and um that's how i met king of chill who was one of my mentors you know producing mc light paper thin he he did cha 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 Hmm. stop looking listen he did audio two stuff positive k so i I used to go there and get k we call him kc but kc would be there by himself and i'm like where's mc lighting everybody he said well they're done with their vocals so i'm just mixing i'm like so what do you do to mix he said well once they record all their parts now i make it sound like the way you hear it on the record i'm like so they're not here with you you know because this is something I'm, i don't i'm learning he's like nah th- th- this is the part i do i'm the producer i'm like so what do you you know because I, I was just making the beat at first but he's like yeah i'm the one that shapes it you know arranges it and he said i moved this vocal here and i'm like can i watch and he, he let me watch and then i was telling him i wanted to learn how to work the s950 because i saw that molly Marl was using that and, and uh, I was like, you know, I want to learn how to use that. He said, I know how to work it. He said, want to come to my house. And I used to go to his mom's house in Crown Heights. And he taught me, I bought, bought a machine. He taught me how to work it. Then he told me with drum machine, I need to get to trigger it. I got that. Next thing you know, I'm doing gangstar records at his mom's house. I'm like, yo, check out this beat. It's called X-Girl. It's going to be called X-Girl, the next girl. And <laughs> gurus, and, you know, we go to record it and, and then it becomes a hit. You know, so I I learned a lot from him. Mm. You know, and how my, are you? Now he's my engineer.
0: How are you affording all that equipment so early?
3: Uh, I was in the street.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> all right. <laughs> Simple enough. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um
1: is it is it weird now that everyone has like a home studio and it's not like, you know, you could just send stuff to each other electronically rather than like collaborative?
3: I miss the being in the studio part with everybody, you know? Yeah. I mean, back then the labels had the money, the budgets were big. The label heads would literally go, "Hey, go take him to a club. Take him to dinner. Here's another. Here's a, here's yeah. another thousand
2: dollars just for food, just for food." <laughs> I mean, Unless yeah. you live in Detroit, where you you know we miss out on everything. <laughs> you got to actually get flown out just to do a verse. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm glad we're flying verses around. Yeah,
3: man, and, you know, so this whole sin and everything. You know, we'd have to wait for if it was four more than 40 tracks. I mean, more than 24 tracks. You had to have a mat, you know, master and a slave reel and. We had to wait for it to come in the mail, and mm. like, oh, the reels are here. And you had <laughs> to send all that back. Then to get the approval, you had to send the CD of the of the mix. Wait for them to approve that. That's a you know overnight express. Oh
4: my then you god! You gotta hope
3: it gets to them. Oh, it, it was cracked when we all sent it. Send another one. Where now it's just email. What what yeah. you think it's good, and y'all send my verse tonight. <laughs> and you know, of course, we're used to that now, but. I think it's it's almost like the way we text now, you know. I still like to get on the phone, and
4: yeah.
3: Because like, because sometimes the text gets lost in translation. Yeah.
1: Um. But just told us, just Blaze told us that he he would like you know stop at like three different studios along the way and play like beats for different people, mm. like just like here, there, and everywhere, and to be in New York too. Obviously, that's a yeah. there's so many studios in the '90s and everything. But
3: that, that, that's how I ended up at Calliope, uh, because of the sound of all these records that I liked. Naughty by Nature, they were going there, and then next thing you knew. Stephanie the Arena was done there. Mm. Yeah, and then <clears throat> I heard about D&D because of Showbiz, Showbiz from DITC, Yep. Showbiz and AG. Uh, uh, showbiz was doing a remix for Return of the Funky Man, mm. remix, and he wanted me to do Scratches on it. So he's like, yo, meet me at this place called d and I was like, where is that? <laughs> he's like, yes, yeah, on 37th, Went, met, met there, did the Scratches. He had to leave, he's like, yo, can you get the final mix for me and just bring me a cassette mix, a cassette master. <clears throat> and I was like yeah no problem and uh, Eddie Sancho who became very famous with us it was, was just an employee there he did just happened to be the one they said Eddie uh, got a client come in and you do the session Eddie saw how uh, how we set up our stuff and uh, he made me the cassette I listened to I had a dope sound system in my in, at a minivan as soon as I heard the mix I was like this is where I'm doing my next album and I had already told Calliope the owner that I'm gonna do the next gangster album, which was Daily Operation, in that uh yeah, Calliope. And uh I, and, and you know, we made so much we had so much money, I, I advanced him like fifty grand up front. And so hmm. so now I'm like, well, I'm going to D and I'm like, I'm not advancing this time because I'm <laughs> gonna put in the D and D and I remember he, he was so upset, like, man, you're not gonna do it here and I was like well, we haven't even made a we haven't even made a song yet, so <laughs> He's like, but you did the first album man. you said you were gonna do it here. I'm like, yeah, but I like this sound better. And he, I remember he called D and D and said, just so you know, they don't pay their bills; <laughs> they, 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 they'll never give you your money. Just to, anything to make D and D be like, well, we don't want to mess with these guys. Yeah, but yeah. then it's like, if you, and they told us. So I'm like, he said that. <laughs> so I'm like, well, we're definitely not coming to you now. And then and that's how I met Dave and Doug, who are D and D. i see you know, we became pals and. All of a sudden, everybody just started coming to D and
4: D. It just
3: became, you know, two in the morning. Funkmaster Flex would get off the radio and doing the club, and do two in the, two in the morning sessions. And he'd be in there doing all these mixtape albums,
2: bringing everybody in. Bringing Bro, everybody my first in. my first time in D and D, I was like, "Yo, this is ridiculous." <laughs> Tony Touch had a room, right? Yep. Okay, Tony Touch had his well, own using, room. Yeah,
3: he was using The a room. Yep. Yeah, he and had my room.
2: He had a room. You you weren't there
3: yeah I remember you you tony and Eminem, touch you and was there. Came, right?
2: yeah me and Eminem came to do the tony touch thing m o p was in one room hmm. i seen j o felony hmm. um yo, it was like loaded with people, but it, <laughs> most of them were just like famous, you know what I'm saying, <laughs> and it was just like Damn, yo, this is New York huh this is New York, huh this is like I've been to a, a studio in Detroit, and yeah. It's nothing like this bro,
1: so when you took that first trip to New York. Was that a one-way plane ticket or... Yeah, it was a one-way ticket.
2: One-way ticket. And I actually had to... um, Okay. You know, Detroit is the motor city. So we don't have public transportation like that. We don't have subways. We got a bus. Mm -hmm. I had to take the bus a little bit when I had those college courses that I was taking at the um, Northwest Activity Center. But I got on a plane. Rick was at work, so he couldn't pick me up from the airport. So I had to take a bus. I flew into Jersey. I had to take a bus to Port Authority. And I had to get on the subway and meet him him at Quest Records. Bro, I have never been this fucking scared (laughs) in my life. I was like, what the fuck is going on? Like, why is everybody walking so fast? (laughs) Like, where are they going? (laughs) Like, all the girls was, like, mean. (laughs) The cashiers was mean. You
0: were returning too much stuff. Yeah, yeah, there
2: you go. Bro, like, I didn't have no money, and I had to just meet him up there. And the first person I saw when I walked in was Rob Walker. Wow, and he didn't look shit like I thought he would look from all the shit he was talking on the phone. It was just like you, Rob Walker, and I remember I had on all camouflage. I had a camouflage jacket on, camouflage pants. Oh, you did go to the army and yeah. Timberlands, <laughs> and Timberlands. I was illmatic Nas. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That time.
0: <laughs>
2: yeah, so it was it was that, that was frightening, and then I ended up staying with Rick in uh, in Harlem, in Harlem. He had a um, crib on one sixteenth in Harlem, and I basically lived there for months. Wow. I missed I missed the first. Almost a year of my son's life. Really? Yeah. Man. <clears throat> mm-hmm. Who would you
0: say Royce knows you better, uh Marshall or Primo?
2: Um. That's a good question. Yeah, as, as Primo like leans <laughs> in real quick. <laughs> yeah. A good because they they wow. both know different sides of me. You know. Um. Obviously, there was a lot of development. That I missed out on And that I gained While being close to Preem When I wasn't even talking to Marshall Mm -hmm. And um, when I got back cool with him When we started talking again He wasn't the same So it was like two adults One more mature than the other Obviously him being the mature one Me still drinking And it was like I had to kind of get on his level In a way In order to really be able to understand him Because when I first got back around him I thought he was a little weird you know what I'm saying mm-hmm. And it really was because it was Walls up Walls up due to past shit And just Him being a recovering addict And another addict Him allowing another addict around him Cause he knew I had a problem mm-hmm. But this is Royce this is, this is my baby You know what I'm saying Like, right. So it's like me and Preem, like We stay cool through everything So it's like when I went to jail It was like need money <laughs> Need money for your books Alright you sure mm-hmm. Alright cool Alright All right, let me know Cool. He never judged me. He never came down on me. Around that time when I went to jail, it was like everybody was going, "Man, you got to quit getting in trouble." Damn, man, you got it. You know what I'm saying? And it was just like it was always a pleasure to hear from Preem. You know what I'm saying? Like our relationship just stayed what it what it is. Like mm-hmm. he never really oversteps like any type of boundary or anything like that. So it's like he knows what he wants to know. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Marshall is more of a. Damn how do I even categorize him man He's family oriented Maybe not as much as Prem, Cause Prem is from the south mm-hmm. Marshall has always been like when we go on the road When we were young and shit be like We go on the road and we come home I don't hear from him can't find him He goes into seclusion with his family mm-hmm. Prem, the most he'll do is not answer the phone Cause he's with his son Cause mm-hmm. that's like a rule that he set for himself But other than that it's like family all day Family when we work in family everything and it kind of clicks like that with Marshall too. But then Marshall does go in into his little cave every now and then. What, what kinda, about you, Prim? Yeah.
0: Who's like your best friend in the 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 quote unquote game? Is it like <clears throat> Lady of Rage? Is it? Uh,
3: she's a very close number one. Mm. Yeah, shout to uh, She'll tell you. Don't call me Rage. Call me Robin. <laughs> I, love, I love her, man. Yeah, she's 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 so different. Uh, yeah, I mean, the closest yeah music wise. Would definitely be Royce Rage and uh, I was uh, showbiz. Mm-hmm. We're very very close. Just like extremely. He I call him my Casigliari. Like, <laughs> like, I'll call him and go, Yo, what do you think about this? And we debate. Mm-hmm. We debate a lot
0: over like, like petty stuff or like just everything. see seen Aries and uh... <laughs> nah, I don't know what's up. But
3: he's he's just very, he got you know when I met him. He was Rock Kim, you know. So Showbiz was his stage name, but I but at the time he was in the street, real heavy, but still into beats and digging. But in the, but I'd go to his, the roughest neighborhoods where he's from. Him and Fat Joe, all from St. Law Lord Finesse Diamond D. They all from the same yep. block. Yep. And he'd be in Benzes and Beamers and all these new cars. It's like yo, how you afford all these? <laughs> a, you're a teenager. And we pull up to crack spots, and and he leave his keys in the in a brand new Benz. I'm like, yo, you ain't gonna take your keys, mm-hmm. like. So everybody know me around. Ain't nobody messing with my car. Mm-hmm. And everybody's like, peace, Rockem, peace, Rockem. Hey, Rock. this is where Rockem the the rap already out. Yeah, peace, Rockem, peace, Rockem, and, and and like saluting him Like if he's he's a young guy, and I'm like, damn, like the whole neighborhood saluting. You know, it's like, wh- who are you? You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but you know we. And I witnessed that. So we've been friends from way back then. I mean, you know, seeing him step to people like heads up, like, and not afraid to throw down and everything. Where And then he saw I wasn't, I was the same way because down south, you're, you're, we're raised on fighting and throwing our hands up. So we're not, you know, I'm not afraid of anybody either. So, we really built a bond mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying like, like there's other friends that are in the music game that, that i'm tight with as well like panchy from the nygs mm-hmm. um, and stuff like that we're extremely close but showbiz is a very known name with d-i-t-c that they had a they're an era you yeah. know like like you know i remember when big l was just stressing lord finesse to just to hear me you know and and they were like yo you want to check out this guy big l and you know, and then Big L taking Jay Z around. I was telling Royce, we were just having a conversation like Big L was was literally taking Jay Z everywhere he went before <laughs> Jay Z blew up. And guys were like, Yo, why you always got that dude Jay Z with you? And, and Big L was like, Yo, he's gonna be the next big thing. This is Big L telling us, mm-hmm. crazy. He's gonna be the next big thing. That's why I, I take him everywhere I go because he likes to rap on the mic. I take him stretching Barbito. He's gonna rap, you know. So. And he was right. <laughs>
4: yeah.
1: I wish I had met Big L,
2: man. Yo.
3: One of the funniest guys in the
1: world. Do you know that Big L was the one who taped the J and DMX battle up on the yeah, at the Yeah, hall? that was his tape. Yeah. Isn't that crazy? Mm-hmm,
3: yeah, I remember uh, he won his tape back. <laughs> yeah, he, I remember when he dropped the tape and let Dame hold it. Yeah. And he never got the tape back. Yeah, he, he was like, I want my tape back. I was around all it's of crazy. that. crazy. I was around all of that.
2: You know, yeah, yeah. I used to see
3: Dame Dash walk his dogs Because that's when I moved to the Bronx mm-hmm. That's how I met panchy and the other members of Group Home mm-hmm. because They lived in the Bronx on 183rd mm-hmm. Guru was going out with this chick from up there So she let us sublet her apartment Because she was moving to California for a year So she was like, subleased my apartment And that's how I met Smiley And, you know, all of them And, and uh, that's how the, our Bronx connection came I knew Chubby Chub and, and uh, Ski And, uh, a tone Hooker Who came up with the Rockefeller, name, Rockefeller yeah, yeah And all of them In original original flavors So Jay-Z used to be up that way so, Down University And I used to always be down the hill You know Just, just hanging out the aqueduct At the basketball courts oh You know My, cause my, my dancer and gangster Can play ball real good yeah. Guru can play basketball Real good too So Just all those memories Seeing Jay-Z And all that around them And Dame walking his dogs <laughs> That's how we all connected You know So the, and next thing you know, and Clark Kent, so mm-hmm. next thing you know, Clark's like, yo, got this new Jay-Z record. I already knew Jay for being with Jazz O,
4: Yep.
3: and he's played me in my lifetime, and I, and, and I was on, I was doing radio at the time with WBLS, I had a mix show, and they were like, yo, you think you can play it next week? I was like, yo, when we come out of commercial, I'm playing this now, and <laughs> I, mean, I threw it on just to get a little listen, I was like, nah, I'm playing this out of commercial. Mm. And then from there, Jay just started becoming this, just bit by bit, just got bigger and bigger and bigger. He never declined.
4: Yeah.
2: He was figuring things out, boy. Yeah. yeah <laughs> you know? he, was making, he was making those adjustments. Oh, yeah. Yeah.
3: Yeah. Shit. Yeah. No, he, he knew exactly what he wanted to do.
0: Well, speaking of funny uh, rappers and funny people, you did a date with uh, Dave Chappelle. How did you meet Chappelle in the first place?
3: I met Dave through most definitely Tyler Kweli because they had been hanging with him for a long time. You know, they, they were just buddies, you know, so... Um, then I got a call that Dave wanted me to open up for him for his uh, his, that radio city, mm-hmm. the, uh, not, not the one he did this year, but uh, you know, obviously, yeah. like, like maybe five years ago. Mm-hmm. And he, he said, Yo, I love your beats, I love this, I love that. And I remember even when he was watching the show after I got off stage, I just tapped him on the shoulder to say, What's up? and he goes, Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh numbers, numbers, numbers. And I'm like, "Dad, I got Dave Chappelle's number because he had already blown up with the Dave with the Spell show, and yeah. And uh, I just seen him recently at the show that he just did he, on his birthday, the the final show. And uh, what he did, like, 13, he did, like, 11, 12? Yeah, yeah, say. a lot. Yeah. It was the final night, and uh, I was with my former manager. I was like, man, let's go out tonight, and, and uh, then me and him are chilling. And uh, we're in the backstage area, and he walks in with uh, maybe look like a security guy that runs with him. <laughs> and uh, everybody's like, "There goes Dave! There goes Dave!" And, and they're following him around because it's his birthday. Mm. So you see everybody whispering, and I see the his the, the security guy make eye contact with me and kind of do a double tape. <laughs> and we're standing by a whole tr- tr- uh, table full of food. And I'm like, damn, man, I'm really hungry. <laughs> I said, said I'ma grab something. And right when I'm about to grab it, get my. my Gary goes, don't turn. I think Dave's coming over. To you. I said word. He said, don't turn around. Don't turn around. <laughs> and right when I'm about to turn, I yeah could, I could see out of the peripheral. He's coming my way. And he goes, yo. And it's my first time seeing him since maybe five years. And wow. Was like, yo, what's up? He said, I didn't know you he was here, but because uh, uh, his the his manager for uh, Corey mm-hmm. used to handle. Uh, Kweli, uh Hooked us up with tickets And plus you gotta put your phone In a lock yeah, couch, yeah And they were like Yo you can keep your phone out And I wow. was like Picture time But I didn't even ask for a picture I, w- I wanted to But I was like Nah I'm gonna just chill mm. I remember we sat right next to Lee Schreiber, who, wow. who I'm a big Ray Donovan fan, and <laughs> want to say something to him too. But I'm one of those guys that won't say anything, even though I want to. I'm like, nah, I don't say to really? I'm saying nothing. Really?
2: I'm kind of like that yeah. too. Really? I mm-hmm. want
3: to, and or if it's just the right time, yeah. I, mm-hmm. I'll, I'll do
1: it. So you guys have like a lot of numbers in your phones that you just
2: won't text. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh, I definitely. I'm not. I, 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 I definitely, if especially if you like initiate it and we exchange numbers, I definitely not text. Me. <laughs> But I'd be wishing like, damn, man, I wish we was cool-er. <laughs> and, and I have stuff in, under
3: different names where yeah, a lot of you, you, you wouldn't even know. Yeah,
1: in case you lose the phone. Yeah,
3: I, remember, yeah. I remember Dr. Dre called me because I, I needed to ask him for for a minor favor. And um, he didn't call me back. For, he didn't answer the phone the first attempt. Mm-hmm. And I did a second attempt the day after. Still no pickup. So then the third day, the phone rings and it's him. <laughs> but... His it's just it's just, it just a dr you know? <laughs> not dre not doctor no period uh, I'm switching it after this podcast yeah yeah uh, you know now you'll say hello and you'll be like that's dre but, <laughs> but when it popped up I remember my band members I was on tour with my band they're like is that dre and I was like yeah and they go you're you gonna answer it I'm like yeah and they go and they go, you can put it on speaker. I'm like, nah. I went outside and I turned around and they're all going, you know, staring at me. And, I was, and uh, it was just a minor favor to get a, a video drop mm-hmm. for MC8, uh, who I did a project with that came out last last year in July. And uh, he was like, yeah. He said, come on, that's Compton. That's the first thing he said. Yeah. And he says, for you? Let's do it. He said, he's like, hang up and I'll send it. And, he's, and not even five, five minutes, it was already in my phone. So... Mm. But, uh, yeah, I am going to change that. Yeah. So does all podcasters his... will be on the different <laughs> name. <laughs> does, his,
1: does his studio sound, like, immaculate? Yeah. Man. That is the loudest <laughs>
3: studio I have ever witnessed in my life. Like, hurt your chest. Loud. Yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. I like loud music, too, where I want to hurt. His was, like... I need a, I, you know what they say? I need a doctor. Yeah, yeah. You need Damn a DR. A DR. Re- DR. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, I need a doctor. Do you yeah.
1: buy into the thing where it's like, if it sounds good soft, it'll sound good loud?
3: Um, That's one of my testing ways. I play it low to see where everything's sitting.
4: Mm-hmm.
3: But then I like to hear loud because when it's loud, can you hear everything cut through? Can you hear the vocal <clears> cut <throat> through? Can you hear the notes cut through loud? Mm-hmm. Because louder, everything starts to get cut.
0: Yeah. So mm-hmm. I, that's why I That's why on. Royce listens to it on his phone. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> So, but
3: just his studio, up. his studio hurts, and Dre is just smiling like, and it's <laughs> oh, just man, so. I, I thought I was gonna die like when I first when I first
2: worked with Dre. I went out there to Cali. I've never heard music that loud in my life.
3: His house is the same way. And I
2: love 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 loud music, mm-hmm. but it was just like the SSL board. The mm-hmm. knob was mm-hmm. turned all the way. <laughs> he couldn't go any further. He just went. Uh-huh. He just turned it and just left it right there, yeah. and just let the whole song play. He yeah. didn't turn it down to talk or nothing. The whole songs were just mm-hmm. playing at that level.
0: Yeah. Is he screaming over them? To no. Like, no, no,
2: no. He just listening. He just, li- he's just <laughs> and listening. He just
3: listening. that look. <laughs> and, and he'll, oh, he'll go. <laughs> he does a thumbs up. I remember one time he did, didn't want to do a thumbs up. I'm like, you have a cup in your hand. He goes, okay. Uh, I'll put it down We'll do two thumbs up <laughs> get the two thumbs up we just laugh and, and I went to his house To work on a, a couple of songs And same thing just, His house is just as loud
1: Does your music sound better In his studio?
3: Actually I just went there When we were shooting The Era video We mm-hmm. went the night With Dave East uh, We flew in late And uh, he wanted me to come by To just hear some music And I went over there And uh, One of my artists Tori Wolf Had just done something for Amazon, and I hadn't heard it really. Uh, besides, just in my own lab, because he she was with me. He, mm-hmm. said, he was like, you know, what, what do you sound like? You know, what, what kind of style are you doing? She, you know, we said, well, we just did a song for Amazon. He's like, was well, it soul or what? Is it? You know, he said, it's kind of alternative. It's not pop. I said, it's kind of hard to describe. He said, well, let me hear it. <laughs> And, and it was a song we just finished, so when he cranked it, we were like,
4: "We say yeah, it's right."
3: we were like, "It's right." It just sounded so good in there because, you know, I'm used to my testing grounds. I'm used to my car. I'm used to my room. I'm already sonically, you know, tuned to to where I test everything. So to hear it in his studio, and it, it was just hitting everywhere. Mm. I moved around. Dre like sit at the front of the board. I moved to the back. I just I moved all just all over, the, and it was just sounding so good. I was mm. like, okay, it's a good mix. Mm.
2: Royce, who do you play your stuff for? Yeah, oh, that's a good question.
0: It's only good question. Well, why why you I mean, doing that? I'm you, changing you, my yeah. my. <laughs> Dre.
2: You mean like to, to to get to get approval? Yeah, yeah. Marshall is probably the only other artist that I can run stuff by because I'm 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 in Detroit. I have pretty much spent the whole 2017 in Detroit recording. Mm-hmm. Getting the projects together. That's the first time I ever did that because it's the first time I ever had my own studio. Mm-hmm. So, um. When you were putting together your studio, like, what what was important to you? Well, it was the speakers for me. Because, mm-hmm. so, like, I need loud, loud. I need loud. So, um, my room isn't even tuned right. And I didn't know that until Preem came. <laughs> he walked in, we was listening. He was like, it's not tuned right there. It's not tuned right there. You need to put the speakers here. You need to do something. It was You're just like, like hey, the shit sound fine to me, Preem. It's loud. <laughs> But uh, <laughs> yeah, so I, I, I'll go over to M Studio and just, you know, i wait till I got like a pretty good batch. Because mm-hmm. since I had my lab, I haven't been over there that much. Mm-hmm. So when I do get over there and we like getting caught up with musically, we getting caught up because I heard Revival um the, the day before it came out. Mm-hmm. I hadn't heard nothing before that. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So I knew he had the Beyonce record. I knew because Porter You know Porter yep. mm-hmm. Porter has the B room In my studio So he always coming over Telling me stuff About the album But I never heard anything So you know what I'm saying So it took a whole day For me to play him um, My whole album And then for him To play me his whole album And I still didn't get a chance To play Prime for him I was supposed <laughs> to play it And he had to leave I still didn't get a chance to play it for him, but it's like yeah, that's pretty much who I bounce music off of.
1: Who has more unreleased Slaughterhouse tracks,
2: you or officially Ice? Mm. Probably, probably officially Ice, because <laughs> he's crazy. It was at a point in time where it was like I was like the gatekeeper of all Slaughterhouse music because. Mm-hmm. So I'm you pretty, leaked it? <laughs> nah, nah, I don't have a leaking bone in my body, bro. But it's you know like it was like I was like the um. Not the overseer, but I was the guy who kind of like brought the records home after we were done getting all the vocals on them. Mm-hmm. Kind of like bringing everything together. And then once we started like doing like a lot of solo stuff and we started kind of like just moving on doing other shit. Mm-hmm. I quit even listening. Like I quit even listening. Just, just Blaze will probably have the mm-hmm. majority of where the album that we were working on before mm-hmm. where it is right now. Yeah. And whatever Joe got a hold of, which we always tried to keep him from getting music, <laughs> whatever he got a hold of, Ice probably has.
1: We were in Akron, Ohio uh, two weeks ago. We yep. spoke on a panel, and it was our first time in Akron. We've been to Cleveland before. Mm-hmm. Akron, Ohio, we, we land, and the dude that picked us up, the promoter, was like, yo, we fuck with Detroit rap way more than we do anything in Ohio. Mm-hmm. And, and they're like, it's Detroit and then the Bay. And, mm-hmm. and then, like, Ohio. But we didn't realize, like, how
2: big Detroit was, you know, over the state line. Like, I had no idea. Well, that's largely due to the internet. Because before it was, like, just an underground kind of our own little world type of thing. Once the internet, like, really took off and became, like, popular, I guess. And everybody was able to see that we do have what we would consider our own town. Mm-hmm. Because our biggest artists, I mean, all the way up until, like, Big Sean, Danny Brown, it was, like obi d12 myself marshall that's not really what they would we would consider the detroit sound you know what i mean like Mm -hmm. we're all products of the hip-hop shop and the ebony showcase Mm -hmm. which are hip-hop open mics but the detroit sound is like street drug dealer rap Mm -hmm. so like if you go to like a strip club any strip club that's pretty much what you'll hear Mm-hmm. Or just like the hood bars and shit like that, mm-hmm. and it's a way that they ride the beat. It's a way that they enunciate,
0: and that's like a little bit ahead of the beat.
2: Yeah, yeah. well, it's more ahead of the beat now than it used to be. <laughs> they yeah, they went a little they went a little more ahead of the beat now. I can't listen to all of it, but some some of them are nice. Like Icewear Vezo is is super nice. Mm-hmm. Payroll, yep, mm-hmm. payroll, super nice. Yeah. Are you
1: surprised at how Detroit has sort of like progressed in the last five
2: years? I'm not surprised. I, I actually feel like it's taking a little long. It's mm. taking a little long. Where we were with Motown, mm-hmm. um, <clears throat> and the talent that we've had on a worldwide scale, I feel like we should be a lot further ahead than we are. Mm. I Feel like we're being held back, lack of unity. Are you
1: proud of Detroit?
2: I am. I'm very proud of Detroit. I think we're we're mm. um we're better musically than we've been probably since the Motown era. Mm. Um, I think we have some of the best artists in the world. I think we just we lack we lack unity. That's it. The right kind of unity. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody. We got it to a point where we got sort of a unified front. But what I'm learning is that's not enough. That's not enough. It has to be. It has to be real. Everybody has to be going into it with the right intention. In order is
1: is it. the city just like sort of like fractioned off or?
2: Yeah, it's it's it started out as a very very competitive thing. Like my my whole era, my whole era that I came up in, my generation, um, we were all just competitive with each other. Everybody just wanted to make it first. Um now but then you that,
0: all joined together in D twelve.
2: <laughs> yeah, but it's not we didn't really join together. It was like when it was when when we should have probably joined together, we were against each other. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So that's that's important too. Timing is important. So um after the fact we started to kind of see it, but it took for us to grow into that. So, um, once we did that, we, we started having individual relationships. Like my relationship with Mr. Porter is obviously different from my relationship with Bazaar. Mm-hmm. Even though we're all under the same umbrella, we're all, you know, family to a degree. But, um, if you're talking about Mr. Porter and Bizarre, they don't even compare. That's my brother. Mm-hmm. Porter is my brother. Bizarre, we just cool. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? So, um. Now the newer generation um, A lot of the mistakes That we made Which we made Very public Like we did the beef DVD We did all of these Stupid things mm-hmm. So it's like You guys are looking at this You're seeing it You're seeing it You're seeing where Taking the violent approach Gets you in this business You're seeing Where trying to air things out Publicly and all of that You're seeing where it gets you You see how stupid we looked You see what Khaled and them Did in Miami You're seeing What, what the artists in Atlanta did The way that they were unified And it just it builds the city up so strong that you can't stop it. Mm. Like New York tried as hard as they could to keep a stranglehold on hip hop for a long time. Thanks, Premier. Yeah, Premier. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like we were talking about this earlier. Like they were in each, like happy to be in each other's videos and just you know everything yeah. was just everyone who flexed. It was brought unity. d like, Yeah. yeah. Just yeah. It was just and unity. You it was how unity. People
3: charge to be in videos. I'm like you pay to be in the video. <laughs> To make a guest appearance, I, th- that, I think that's just crazy.
0: Do yeah. we owe you money for coming over here to do the podcast? Right. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna have to have my people get with your people. I man. thought the I, I thought
3: the, ch- the check was ready. Yeah,
4: check. Yeah. Damn, bro, yeah, but they, but they. I mean, Yo,
0: blame it on your lawyers. You guys have had them since the beginning. Yeah, I know
2: yeah. But just in terms of, um in terms of talent, everybody is out for self. It's like a self preservation type thing. But one thing about Detroit, man, I don't know if it's something in the water or what, but the first thing that the average detroiter to, thinks to say about an artist when they hear about them is something bad first hmm. you have to be you have to be convinced to like somebody like we're incapable of supporting our artists while they're still grassroots in detroit
1: you know what that comes up far more often with lots of different cities. Wiz talked about that when he got dropped from Warner Brothers. He's uh, like my city, he's like, you know, shit on me when I came back. And like obviously like everyone talks about
2: DC. DC, yeah. Everyone's mm-hmm. just like they don't support their own, but Detroit the same? Detroit is the same. And and I think we're even more behind A-ball because we have that Motown stigma mm-hmm. attached to us. So it, it's it's expected more. Um they expect great things from Detroit, but then the industry as a whole, they don't really respect detroit like it's it's a money grab city that's where like the no fly zone and all of that type mm-hmm. of shit came from mm-hmm. all of these concepts it mm-hmm. came from from that and it's a, it was an opportunity for us to unite too like if it was you know everybody on the political side like um um the people that were running for office like the people that work in the mayor's office and all of that shit like everybody that actively wore like the detroit versus everybody hoodies and shit mm-hmm. like that like if if everybody was willing to take it further than just words on a, on a sweatshirt, we'd be in a better place. like we talked we talked early about Detroit giving Cardi B the Spirit of Detroit Award. Mm-hmm. It's very difficult for me to verbalize how I felt about that without it coming across like I'm saying something negative about Cardi B, her, her the individual. Right, right. It has nothing to do with her. Could have been anybody. Right. If they're not from Detroit, why would you? even think to give them a spirit of detroit award. Mm-hmm. There's nothing somebody from outside of the city can do that, that should make you feel like that they deserve it. Let their city give them their mm-hmm. own awards. Mm-hmm. Let's give our artists our own <clears throat> awards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's help yeah. work together to build our own artists up. Yeah. Let's build our city up. Let's start doing more work together. Let's all be more active in the community. Yeah. You know, like if I tried to call it would take somebody in my position, Trick Trick's position, Marshall's position, Sean's position to try to rally everybody together to do something for the for the community, but it'll always be some bitter artist on the side mm-hmm. not showing up because of some type of feelings or some type of we put the Detroit versus everybody song together, and then a whole group of artists did a whole another version of it because they felt like they should have been on the original version. It's right. just always about what's what about me, what about me? It's never just nobody ever wants to say let's put the city first, let's mm-hmm. put our feelings aside because me and Danny Brown we didn't like each other when we did that song, mm-hmm. but. We were willing to put our feelings aside to to make a a stand for the city, to make a statement that would make the city look better. We were we were willing to sacrifice the way that we felt personally mm-hmm. because we knew it wasn't it's not it's nothing really it's nothing really real. Like nobody's really has a problem with anybody for anything real. Mm-hmm. It's all ego and in and, and competitive nature.
0: Mm. So, how does that differ? I mean, do you have a relationship really with with Houston, or are you like strictly like a a New York guy now? Yeah, I have both because
3: I still go home a lot and Mm -hmm. I still hang with the people from day one that I came up with. So I'm from a town outside. I mean, I was born in Fifth Ward and Mm -hmm. and raised there as a child. But then I moved to Prairie View, which is about 45 minutes outside of Houston. And it's a small black neighborhood, but it's very, very, very just contained. You know, the the biggest thing going for us is our college, Mm -hmm. which is part of the Texas A&M system, which is the Aggies and they they, they're our funding so because of that we're considered like the black version of the aggies but just on a way lower scale but if you did if you're not from the school it's just the people from my neighborhood so everybody knows everybody Mm -hmm. and all the people i grew up with from the from the girls and the guys we still hang every time i go home for christmas i'm home for so many other events you know everybody hit me up you coming on for homecoming it's not like oh well you're not claiming that anymore i'm still welcome and i I have that that type of love so i love that
1: when you were living up here um let's say like the mid to late 90s what did ugk mean to you we were just fans based off of the you know we we, you
3: know we were all into the drug hustling culture back then so they spoke to us like the way a reasonable doubt would Cause we could all relate to just that type of street mentality and that type of type of atmosphere being that we've been surrounded by that anyway in our upbringing. Even though I had mother and father, in my whole life in, in my household, we still were you know into getting into into the the dirty stuff in the street. Right. You know stealing cars and and you know selling speed and all this crazy stuff <laughs> I used to do. And you know it, at that time it wasn't really called crack yet because I graduated high school in '84. So right you know we 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 went through the periods of where when ugk came out it was just like uh, another representation of what the ghetto boys were already doing because Mm -hmm. we were big ghetto boy fans and i knew ghetto boys when it was jukebox and all of them before uh you know when johnny and all of them were there before scarface before willie d yep you know we knew the original uh uh, Ghetto Boys Then the transition, The second time Then the third time And at that time Scarface was a DJ
4: mm-hmm. <laughs> So
3: you know He was DJ Action So then he started Calling himself Scarface in the raps And we were just like Yo <laughs> But you know And we call him Brad back then So right. you know Knowing him as Brad uh, And then we had a club A hip hop club That the DJ That taught me How to scratch His name is RP His name is Randy Pettis but you know, y'all remember RC Cola, the yeah, yeah. The drink. His, his since his name is Randy Pettis, he was RP Cola. <laughs> so, so that's who taught me how to how to scratch because he went to school with me in college. So I learned from him, and that's really where I got my skills from him teaching me but he used to DJ at a club called the Rhinestone Wrangler that Jay Prince <laughs> Jay Prince was one of the owners so the hell but, of a name I know yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah the Rhinestone Wrangler but my They don't my, have that in Detroit but, <laughs> uh, <laughs> dude. It'd be like a male strip club <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Rhinestone Wrangler. but my but my MC that I was with in college whose name was Top TOP uh Top used to beatbox for Willie D, so that's how we all got affiliated, Whoa. you know, this is when the Ghetto Boys were just starting to bubble, they hadn't gotten multi-platinum level yet, and uh, so I have so many different channels way before CDs were even out, you know <laughs> what I'm saying, so RP used to DJ at that club, let me in with him, and I that's how I got uh, put up on all these promo records, you know, make the music with your mouth, biz, and uh, Mr. Big Stuff from Heavy D and the Boys. And I was like, yo, where are you getting all these <laughs> records? I said, man, New York, all these are from New York. It was just New York everything until N.W.A. started coming out with records. Yeah. You know, again, UGK still hadn't even dropped yet. Right. During the, we're talking about, you know, early 80s into the late 80s. Yeah. You know, so when when UGK dropped, we were just like, yo, these guys are a whole nother just on that independent
2: yeah. and I got a pocket and full of stones. Yeah. Oh, what what soundtrack was we that were, on? That was the first time I heard. Minister Society. Society. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: And, and so, uh, but yeah, UGK became the new heroes after the Ghetto Boys mm-hmm. to represent Texas. Mm-hmm. You know, then uh, a shout out to Bun and recipes to Pimp C. We, yeah, for sure. You know, good good friends of ours. I was good friends with uh, not was I am good friends with Pimp C as well. So. Mm-hmm. And he really, he really was uh, the, the way he talked. He backed every word up. <laughs> yeah, FMC never bit his tongue.
1: Do you, you know, those big trades that like producers will do with like all of their digital files, like all their music? Mm. Do you do that with like any other producers
3: um, or DJs? You talking about as far as just all our old music? Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm digitizing. I I, I actually uh, shout to Stu Fine who owned uh, Wild Pitch Records. Uh, he let me get my demo tape back that got me signed, and he gave me uh, Guru uh, would have definitely been a dope A&R at any label because he's the one that said, "Yo, I found your tape when I met. You know, that's how we met." Cause right. Here, my tape because he used to always go. to, uh, Wild Pitch was a husband-wife operation. He would always go to their, their their apartment and listen to anything that was in that came in the mail. And the other one, he was like, "Yo, tell me what you think about this guy." And it was Lord Finesse, <laughs> and that's how I ended up producing Lord Finesse he's the first besides Gangstar, he's the first artist i ever produced
2: lord finesse nice yeah mm-hmm. so super we, nice
3: that, that's how we became boys and you know uh stew was like yo uh finesse is gonna be in the ba- mc battle we got to go to the new music seminar i met everybody from ice t to chuck d to that's how me and the gizzer met you know <laughs> way back to, you know me and the genius uh through a through a little light argument but it turned into
4: <laughs> is uh, he
1: an Aries and yeah. I don't know what time he is but uh, you know
3: these Aries uh popping up here and there. you know but but uh, but, it, but even with him I mean we became boys where we they would come over to our house and smoke and play us all their demos uh RZA used to come to our crib uh, and hang out way I remember when RZA told us Yo, I'm gonna start a new crew. You know, the Cold Crush and the Fantastic Five MCs have you know have a whole crew <laughs> crew of dudes. So I'm gonna start a new crew called the Wu Tang Clan, and we were just like, he's I'm gonna get some of my homies from Staten Island, I got all my my Brooklyn niggas, and I got this and that, I got that. And next thing you know, we're at this place called the Arena, which is one of our hip hop spots that we used to go to on, uh, every week. And we all, we at the bar drinking with Onyx, and uh, you know cause they they had blown up with Throw your guns. Yeah, yeah. And but we were all all of us were homies, you know. We were all got all of us got along with each other back then. So we're all at the bar, and Protect Your Neck comes on, and they just spazz out like, oh. <laughs> and they start singing. And I'm just sitting there staring at. them am like, how do y- first of all, how do I not know this record? Yeah, yeah. And second of all, why y'all know the words? <laughs> and y'all, and they're just like, I smoke on the mic, like smoke and you'll rage the hell, red. And, and we're just like, what is that? He goes, that's Wu-Tang Clan. I hate
2: that, I hate I hate when I don't know.
3: Yeah. <laughs> so, and I'm like, Wu-Tang Clan, that sounds
2: familiar.
3: And he goes, that's Rakeem and them, and I, you know, cause he was Rakim back yeah. right then. And, uh, and I was like, yo, he said he was gonna put together a group called the Wu-Tang Clan, because all of them was into the whole karate flicks and everything. J-Ru the Damager, all of them are of that same type of uh, of era. j With the Damager, Master Killer, they're all from the same hood. Right. Uh, uh, Jizz is from the same hood. You know, uh, different, different buildings, but that is all East New York, Brooklyn guys. Yeah. And then uh, I was like, "That's the one that that Rakim said, you know." And then also, he was the RZA. You know, <laughs> can't so. even
2: imagine the Wu Tang hanging with Onyx, bro. <laughs> Every time I see Sticky Fingers, he want to box. He want to play boxing. He heavy-handed this shit. You'll yeah, squeeze your hand It's with like, you. bro. <laughs> yeah, you hitting to the body. Like, Come
3: on, yeah, man. But that's how all of that. I totally remember that happening. And then the next day, I went and bought that record. You know, it was on. It was already at the record store oh on the God. wall. And then we taught a video on Video Music Box because mm-hmm. you know at that time if you were underground like that you're not getting on regular uh, you know uh, MTV and all that yet. Yeah, be the music box gonna play your video. Mm. <clears throat> from there I was like, oh, they go to the genius. <laughs> and then I, I knew Old Dirty Bastard from '88 from Brooklyn. When uh yeah, because he was a on unique. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I got a picture I just found. Um, one of my homies just sent me. He's like, yo, look at you and Old Dirty and Old Dirty had the Stair Step Flat Top You know like, like the way Scoob and Scrap Oh my and god And used to have it He had the little stairs <laughs>
4: the
3: Flat top I got the picture I'm gonna post it one Please he says, Do it on man. Thursday Yeah yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but that, yeah I got a picture Of all of us together So we already knew Old Dirty But we didn't know He was Old Dirty Bastard Until we saw the video Cause, <laughs> cause like I said He was A song Yeah Unique. That's why when you hear Brooklyn Zoo, I'm the one man army a song because that's what we knew her,
0: Yeah, so. you had the best stories, bro. Yeah. What's a story that he's told that you've just been like, no, like so. what? <laughs> yeah. Man, he told. What a, what, what <laughs> I asked Royce, uh, what What's a story that you've told that Royce has just been like, what the fuck? Oh, dude. so many, bro. So many. So many. I thought you
3: were asking me about old Dirty. Uh.
0: I mean, we can go down that road, too. You <laughs> got a story for everything. You no, got a story for everything. Remember when The
3: Box was out? The, the what you call it? All yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah. Videos. Big Daddy Kane and Old Dirty <laughs> cane out to my my apartment, which was a big deal. Like, damn, Kane is in my house.
4: Yeah.
0: Mm. Kane.
3: And uh, I remember Melakai the Nutcracker was with me. He used to live with me at the time. Melakai the Nutcracker? Yeah, I was always like a mentor to him because he was wild.
0: That's a name. Yeah. From <laughs> Groupon, Groupon, right? Groupon, oh, there. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah.
3: But that dude, for one, he could fight very well. He wanted to be a boxer. <laughs> mm-hmm. That was his dream to be. He didn't want to rap. You know that that that's from a long line of criminal stuff. That the judge was just shout out to Judge Bamberger She was just like, <laughs> now that's that's a, that's
0: name a great too. name. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <a> <laughs> She was like, Yo, you don't
2: know. The same <laughs> I'm from the crack era, you know,
3: we, we, we were doing crack, so you, know, so, you know, shout out to all the crack users, you know, I kicked my habit, but, uh, <laughs> but you know, like, it was like, uh, uh, she was like, you know, I don't want them to box because that's a violent sport, and I'm like, but, but, uh, she's like, you know, make them do, you're in music, make them do music, and that, that's how it actually happened, hmm. but, but, uh, uh, buddy McGurt uh, uh, team was training uh, mechi but he's at my house and this is when Kane was hanging with Madonna and he has Heather hunter you know we went to porn and all that stuff and heather hunter was like the starlet at that time she yeah black for a black starlet. porn yeah. you know a man. black for a black woman you know because all the black that <laughs> were just horrible and looking and <laughs> like you shot it in a corner store with, with no lighting you know and all the white porns look nice and clean and polished and and, and you can see all all the the things taking place but uh i remember he's like man that that new video with heather hunter and kane i want to ask him did he fuck her in in it so uh i remember uh he asked kane yo did you fuck her in there he goes i didn't fuck her uh, in in the in the video and uh uh the old dirty bastard goes i know if it was me i would have came already (laughs) and you know so it's it, it, I thought he was going to bust into a whole <laughs> rhyme or something, you know, because instead of, I would have came already, I would have came already, and i just never forget him doing that, just laugh my ass
2: off, yeah, so.
1: Royce, so. did you do um, Stretch and Bob show?
2: Yes, I did, I did, um, I rhymed on there with Marshall, mm. um, wait, spit, spit it right now, spit it <laughs> right now, do, <laughs> a, I don't quick, remember do a quick, do a hundred bars, any rap that I said I mean, It shows y'all rap, right, you and am just going. On the, you talking about on the documentary yeah. they did? Yeah, yeah, <clears throat> yeah they got. I some footage for the I remember doing Stretch and Bob, and I was like really, really trying to prove myself. That was that was M's first time up there too. I'm not sure if it was his first time, but it, it had to be one of the first. Was
1: that the one where like Noah uh, Callahan Bever went to? And
2: I believe so. I mm. think Noah may have been there. My memory is fuzzy, but mm. yeah, it was early on. It was early when me and Marshall first started like ripping down radio stations. That was like one of the first ones. Crazy, and I wasn't used to doing that. My only experience with rapping in front of people was like... open Redman. <laughs> yeah, while I was sitting there watching my friend <laughs> rap for Redman. I still kind of regret that shit to this day. Could have been a Floyd Mayweather rap back then.
1: <laughs> Yo, guys, congratulations on, on Prime 1 and Thanks, 2 now. Bro, thank you, thank and uh, you I will look forward to Prime 3, which you, you said, said Tokyo you're going Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, was example, yeah. <laughs> Congratulations, guys. We're really looking forward to the full project. And, uh, and thanks so much for hanging out.
2: Thank you for having us, man. Always a pleasure. Yeah.
1: Thanks, everyone, for listening to this new episode of A Waste of Time with It's the Real. Jeff, if people want to find out more about us, I'm Eric, you're Jeff. Together, we are It's the Real, no apostrophe, no spaces. Jeff, this podcast, people want to find out more about that, it's called A Waste of Time with It's the Real. And if people want to go get their tickets, For our
0: featured appearance at the Roots Picnic 2018, where can they go? You can always go to RootsPicnic.com, R-O-O-T-S-P-I-C-N-I-C, no apostrophes, no spaces. Or you can also go to It's I-T-S-T-H-E-R-E-A-L, no apostrophes, no spaces on that as well. Yes. You can always find all of our episodes our old episodes our upcoming episodes on soundcloud.com slash a waste of time if you search on itunes they are there as well search for a waste of time with it's the real we are also on soundcloud for our music go to soundcloud.com slash it's the real and you can also find it on all streaming services including but not limited to spotify apple music google play title 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 get us paid pandora go to youtube our stuff's on youtube YouTube.com slash It's The Real. If you want to find us on social media, we are at Twitter at It's The Real, Instagram at It's The Real, Facebook at It's The Real. We are also on Snapchat, but nobody likes the Snapchat update, so we're not even fast out. So we are not going to shout that out, no.
1: You know, Jeff, this podcast, which has been so great and so successful for almost three years now, continues to grow, and we don't want to stop the momentum. So what we do around here is tell our friends to tell their friends to tell their friends to tell their friends. friends. And what are we going
0: to do today? Today we're gonna to tell our friends. So, Jeff, which friend do you want to tell? I want to tell a whole bunch of people, but I want to start with Michael Pratt, who works with Dinnerland out in New York. Longtime supporter, great supporter. Shouts to Michael Pratt. Shouts to Size Spence, Shouts to Georgie Paul. Pucks out here in Ohio. Outrageous four one three. Elliot the trainer. Lil Miss End. Uh, Evan the show. Same chick eighty eight over at JFK. Dabadoo Elite. Joe R1291 and Drew Minotti. Man, everyone there must spread the word about this little podcast of ours and let's double up. Oh, also I want to shout out Blank Disc B L A N C D-I-S-C blank. who has a clothing company shouts to them as well jeff i want to shout out
1: our good friend caduce down in washington dc not only do i want to shout out caduce Mm -hmm. but i want to shout out his daughter sophia Mm -hmm. what about nadia well hold on yeah (laughs) one at a time here jeff yeah i want to shout out sophia who just celebrated her birthday the other day and is the most well-dressed child on this planet Yeah she's what Five or six no. I think she's six mm-hmm. She's the most Well-dressed child On this planet And she's the funniest And most athletic And just awesome child Besides Nadia mm-hmm. But it's Yeah we love them equally But it's Sophia's birthday Shout out to Sophia Happy birthday to Sophia And a huge shout out To Caduce Our guy down there In DC It's been too long Since we've seen him Shout out to Caduce And we appreciate you For always supporting A Waste of Time With It's The Real I think this is the only podcast that we're putting out this week as of today, right? Yeah, that is the plan. One is the plan. As always, guys, not for real,
0: for real. Sure, sure. We'll see you guys next week.